Good evening, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of Riddles in the Dark. Uh, this is Professor Corey Olson, Talking Professor, joining you here for a special episode. Uh, we have the whole crew, plus uh, our good friend and Talking Professor producer, Laura Burkholz, joining us this evening. Uh, and we're going to have a little roundtable discussion here about the, uh, about the trailer as we go through. Um, of course, uh, any uh, comments or questions that you guys have, uh, observations, contributions to our discussion are welcome. Uh, if you see the section on your GoToWebinar control panel uh, called Questions, you type in questions there, uh, and the four of us will be able to see those as you go. So we should be able to, uh, uh, to, uh, to include some of your observations uh, as we go along. Um, I am not going to, you're not going to be uh, 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 having the dubious pleasure of seeing my face the whole time. I'm going to turn off my webcam here in a minute. Just wanted to say hi to everybody. Uh, and uh, then uh, we're going to turn on the trailer and you'll just hear the four of us talking about it. So again, we have Dave Kale, Trish Lambert, uh, Laura Burkholz, and me here uh, this evening. You guys want to say hello? Hello. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> David is apologizing in advance for all of the things he's going to say. So, okay. Uh, so, without, without further ado, we will get uh, we will, we will we will get to it. So, I'll see you guys later. Corey, our recording button's still not on. Uh, it will oh, be. I guess now. Maybe now it will be. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. Now it is. By the way, okay. very briefly. Uh, people apparently aren't aware of this. There is a little chat thing um, on there that I, I don't know how how we can use this or what. I don't maybe I don't know if whether I think other people can um, uh, can I think our listeners can even type into it or at least they should try. But yeah, I'm, let I'm it go, Dave. No, it's it's not there. That. If you haven't if you haven't expanded it no, and looked at it, like I see I see like ten ten people have. Ten people responded yes when I said, "Can can you are you seeing this?" But a bunch of other people didn't. Maybe they were just didn't feel like it. Uh, but somebody mentioned that they saw it, but they didn't get a signal. There was a message, so um, there is a chat thing, and we might use it. So you might want to just open it up and sort of take a look uh, and uh, and see if we type stuff in there. All right. Oh, and then some people are on iPads and stuff. You probably can't see it. Sorry. Yeah, that's 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 often true. The iPad and the and that's Yana. Yes. Yana and, is on his iPad. Sorry, Yana. Kudos to Yana, by the way, for getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning to join us here this evening. Yana, once again, cementing his uh, his <laughs> most dedicated Riddles in the Dark uh, fan title here this evening. I think Yana might live up to his name. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I was thinking we should start off by just sort of watching it through. I mean, we can kind of make some yes. comments as we go along, and then we'll go back and do it segment by segment, all right? So we ready? Mm -hmm. Right, that sounds good, yeah. Yep. Where does your journey end? It's so pretty, the mountain. You seek that which would bestow upon you the right to rule. Quest to reclaim a homeland and slay a dragon. It's not our fight. 
Was a long dramatic pause. Wow. <laughs> Put on the ring. Put it on. <laughs> Pressing yourself against the wall, not good enough. Okay. Is the big my big question anyway about the end there? Okay, so okay. Are, are we sure he's not wearing the ring, and they were just showing us what he looked That's like? That's what I was wondering. Ring. You know, I, I but they've never done that. They've never once yeah, done in in the Lord of the Rings or film one. Whenever somebody is wearing the ring, they've never shown them in regular picture. That's true. Right. That's true. It's never happened, and I well, can't imagine they're going to break that rule. It'd be hard to film if he had the ring on, I suppose. It wouldn't be as exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hans asks, what is Will so Turner doing in Lake Town? That is exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness. He looks so exactly like Will Turner. Wow. Yes. Um, see, yeah, I just, I mean, Dom was suggesting that, too, that he has the ring on, but it's visible to us. I, I, that's ne- I mean, if so, then he's completely breaking all of his internal rules. That is, Jackson is breaking all of his internal rules. Um, all the things that he's led us to expect, because um, there is absolutely zero precedent for that in four movies. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it certainly would seem like if there's a time to put on the ring, it would be then. Okay, well, let's go back and, and sort of start a, a little bit more systematically. Um, and I, I want to do the first couple... Uh, uh, groups uh, the you know, first first couple sections frame by frame and actually i want to separate the visual images from the vo- the thranduil voiceover we get at the beginning so ignore the text for now ignore the voiceover and i want to f- i want to first talk about the images here not these we know what those are there's first okay now this has to be rowing from lake town to the mountain right I mean, it's got to be. There's no other options there. And, and at, that, first, at first, at, at first, it didn't look like the boat was big enough to hold everybody. But I just think it's really far away. So yeah. I again, I think you actually can see. Trish was head. tricked by perspective. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I do think it probably is. But of course, one thing that this shows, I mean, you know, it's it, this is this is the kind of thing that uh, uh, that I think we always have to be careful about. Like, it's so easy to go through these things, and whenever something. The, whenever the film does something which is in fact just like the book, people kind of pass it over without any comment and then like put a magnifying glass up to every way in which it's changed. Um, yep. 
I, like, did not take this for granted, uh, that this was going to happen, that people from Lake Town were going to be rowing them towards the mountain. Um, so it seems that either A, the dwarves have stolen a boat from <laughs> from Lake Town uh, and are rowing themselves to the Lonely Mountain, or else somebody is giving them some degree of help at Lake Town. And again, that I wasn't assuming. So I think that that's kind of an interesting point. And without ponies, by the way. Right. I don't yes. see any ponies. Yeah. Yes. Now, in the book... The, I didn't think there would be, actually. In the book, I think the ponies were led around and met them on the beach. It's so, like they were rowed up from the yeah. town, but somebody oh, else had they? set oh, out okay. and met yes. them. Because that's where, when they went back... Remember, after they're in the mountain, uh, they send Fili and Kiwi back to the supply dump, which was the place where they met, where the boat met the ponies. So the, the ponies were never oh, in the right. boats. Okay. Um but uh, that that was sort of logistically managed in the book, um, though it's. I mean, I, I you know I don't get the impression we're going to get ponies here. First of all, th- there's not that far to go. I mean, they've they've got nothing but mountain climbing. It looks like between them and the mountain from where they're going to be landing. It is also much colder than I would have expected. It is pretty cold. I mean, you know, we, we we talked about it briefly that when we in our in our Bard episode, I think how we're getting snow flurries uh, in Lake Town right. in that Bard picture, even even when we saw that in a still, uh, and um, and so you know, I was, I was sort of wondering then. I mean, yes, of course, it's supposed to be getting towards Durin's Day, but I mean, it, it's supposed to be early still. They seem to be putting this well into winter. I suppose just to pick up on the desolation thing, you know, like they're 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 making. They're making it all 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 wintry, you know. Maybe they're doing a uh, a kind of a, a seasonal arc. Maybe we're going to get something, you know. Uh, I mean, it's not going to be spring at the Battle of Five Armies, presumably. But film one was pretty autumnal, and film two looks like it's going to be wintry. Um, and uh, you know, so maybe there will be. I, I, I seems unlikely that they're going to stretch it out until spring for film three. Film but three will be spring. The well, George R. R. Martin uh, uh, weather. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that that's a that's a that's a well established pattern. Um, uh, I mean, that's that that trajectory is followed in the Lord of the Rings plot, of course. You know, we we set out from the Shire in the fall and uh, and then have winter and then move on to a spring of little hope, as Aragorn says, um, which of course turns out fairly well. But um, anyway, yeah. So I just uh, that. It's a it's a small detail, but I, I found it I, I I find it pretty interesting that we're getting we're getting cold weather and snow pretty consistently, which which to well, me kind of changes the visual picture. Isn't this pretty far north? You know, I mean, and it's endurance day is the very very last part of uh, of autumn. Speaking as someone who lives in Wisconsin, you know, it's very possible to get this kind of weather at the end of at the end of the autumn end of yeah. autumn which depending on how they define it is uh, you know the middle of this de- towards the end of december so right i was thinking i was thinking that it could be altitude but but bilbo climbs a, when he, bilbo climbs the tree in mirkwood it's autumn right the leaves are color and when they when they take the barrels don't they go down the river i mean wouldn't lake town then be at a lower altitude than than the elves and then how do they get back up? If this is higher altitude, how do they get back up? So I don't know. I mean, it just – and and the time, it's like it's, it can't be that many days since he climbed the tree, really. Well, it depends on how long the captivity by the elves is. And that's yeah, I that's, guess that's, true. that's a relatively 
plastic time frame. I mean, the book isn't really explicit. Um, that is, the Hobbit no. book isn't explicit. The fact that the arrival at Lake Town, you know, like the Feast of Welcome at Lake Town, coincides with Bilbo's birthday is a later touch that was not present in the Hobbit itself. Um, that's a retroact. That's a that's a retrospective detail from the Fellowship of the Ring perspective. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, you can, I mean, in fact, uh, I mean, you know, uh, 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 Trish and Laura, as you'll remember from the, uh, in the early drafts, in the first draft of The Hobbit, they were prisoners of the elves for months. I mean, it was, right. it was like the next year when they got out. So, you know, I mean, there's, 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 it's, it's possible. It's precedent. There's, there's precedent for that. Yeah. <laughs> could this be, could this be instead of the lake, instead of Long Lake, could this be the river? And so they've gone, they've gone upstream and higher in elevation. It's, it's possible. It's, and, 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 and further north, I mean, they could be doing a more, you know, sort of a deliberately, you know, Laura, as you were suggesting a more kind of, you know, Nordic climate up here, um, even in Lake Town. Is is Peter Jackson going to worry that much about that kind of detail? Well, (laughs) maps and distances and times are not things that the... (laughs) Films have shown a great deal of sensitivity towards thus far. Yeah. Yeah. It looks really cool. Every time, and it just every time a, I look at this, I keep thinking of the Matterhorn at Disneyland. Yeah, <laughs> me too. It looks like the Matterhorn, sort of. It's it's a lovely mountain. I mean, I think visually, I think that this shot is also, stunning. It really is. It also looks like the like the, the sort of the logo or intro screen for, is it Columbia Pictures? One of the... One Paramount? Of the, Paramount yeah. Pictures. Yeah, yeah Greg just said Paramount. Paramount. Yeah, this also looks like the Paramount logo. <laughs> yeah, see, you know, I, I, I agree. You know, uh, uh, Kate and Wilfred have both been making comments uh, about about, uh, about Narnia, and that's exactly what I was thinking. About. You know, always winter and never Christmas. I think that thematically, that probably is. You know, Wilfred, I, I doubt, in fact, that Father Christmas is going to make an appearance and appearance and bring Bilbo a gift after Smaug is. Uh, has been defeated, but uh, but I, 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 I thematically speaking, I do think that it's 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 not surprising when you think about it that they would want to associate um, you know winter with the desolation and uh, and the kind of bleakness that they're foregrounding that obviously choosing to foregrounding through the title of the of the of the film. And Brianna has reminded me that um, in the podcast that I just got published today, um, that we actually do see in the live footage that, you know, in the piece that she put together, we do see the people of Lake Town sending the dwarfs off in a boat from Lake Town. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I thought the theft of a boat theory was pretty far-fetched, so that certainly (laughs) does seem more likely. But it's interesting. You know, and... Um, so we'll get to that later when we talk about the Will Turner. Excuse me, I mean the Bard scene um, later on in the uh, in the in in the trailer. But I, th- that is, I think, an important. Time. Okay, let's go on visually Bugs to the next one. On the I can't believe. What? Sorry. I can't believe how many people are bringing up Father Christmas. Oh I've yeah. We've had like three people on these. Bring up the oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I, I propose that maybe they're sailing on the lake on the Black Pearl. <laughs> Johnny Depp will be a surprise cameo appearance. Yeah, that's right. But did you did you see Ben's jo- Ben's joke about cold meaning the same thing for us? I agree. <laughs> yeah. I agree, Ben. Looking at looking at that looking at that first shot, it looks like the temperatures probably managed to drop all the way down into the fifties. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, uh, 
Well, you know, it looks like you can see her breath in some of those, uh, in, in the lake town scenes. So, you know, that's, that counts as cold. <laughs> you know, it's not like your snot freeze is cold, but it's, you know, it's definitely winter chill. So what do we got here? Are they doing some embellishment on the exterior of the Lonely Mountain? Well, you have to think. I mean, this is an uh, this is a because uh, there are tiny figures clamoring about the the massive um, uh, uh, hand. Do you think that. the secret door is behind that axe head? Well, we did see a little preview of the you know little bay in the side of the mountain where the secret door. You know, when we saw the thrush knocking snails at the end of the first film. Um, right. Doesn't we, seem like it'd be very secret if this is right outside the secret door. Right. What I'm guessing here is that this must be a route up into the mountain that Thorin knows. It doesn't seem to me shocking to think that the dwarves who carved these monumental statues in the side of the mountain also made them functional, you know, that they would have included secret mm-hmm. stairs and passageways among them and used them as routes up into the mountain. I can easily, you know, that seems perfectly plausible to me. Um, I certainly, again, I, I certainly hope that that's not like the direct highway to the secret door. Um, though it, it it's, it's uh, you know, it's something which is actually an interesting question to me. Basically, how you, how do you, how you handle Thorne's character, even in the book, it's a little bit odd when Thorin has never even heard of the secret door. Um, I mean, admittedly, he was pretty young, but like, how old do you have to be before your dad and your grandfather tell you about like the the emergency exit uh, to the to, to the to the place? You know, I mean, like, I, okay, maybe you know you don't tell your toddlers about this and have them running out and causing havoc. Though I guess you can only open the door like once every couple decades anyway. But um, point is uh it, it's it's it, the whole the question of why didn't thorin know about this secret door in the first place why did his father and grandfather keep it from him even after the the um the disaster uh you know because it's not until he gets the map that he learns what it was um so anyway um uh, but uh my suspicion here is that this is going to be a route that Thorin's going to be leading them. And so it's going to show, you know, there's going to be this element of like, I am back on my home terrain. Like I know all the ways around here. uh, And that's going to be kind of balanced against the whole secret door thing. That's going to require the map. Um, But as I say, I, I, that is is something that I find a a kind of a delicate thing to, uh, uh, to handle with Thorin's character. But certainly thematically, this scene, you know, from a from a like a um, a concept standpoint, uh, this scene is really cool with them kind of crawling over the hands and up the axe of uh, the mighty dwarves of old. Um, you can see a staircase underneath the, the hand there. Yeah, some yeah. Of, some of them are actually on the stairs. There. Yeah, over here. Yeah. Yeah. Although, how do they get from one angle to the other? But... Yeah, well, well, the stairs might turn around or something. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's carved in that you can't see. Yeah, yeah, something like that. You know, it's the you 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 have to do like an Escher thing as you're going up the stairs there. Um, yeah, but that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tony's saying it, it looks like the stairs do turn left, and I, I suspect he's he is correct about that. But then that. you wonder why there's people walking on the cuff of the you know 
like they go from the stairs that are turning to the left to the guy's cuff anyway well maybe you, you come we'll up see. here I, and it goes up this way and yeah, you come out over here yeah 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 um, i don't so know thinking it winds, uh, out, winds around but anyway this is uh you know i i, I think the um I, thematically the what, what what they have going on with these three first three images that they're giving us we've got you know the 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 prominence of the of the snow covered uh, you know, so frosty and dead, lonely mountain at the beginning, uh, looking beautiful but desolate and abandoned. Then we get the statues, which we saw in their glory back at the beginning of the first film, uh, and now we're seeing them in decay but still proud. And you know, Thorn and company, uh, you know, ascending up these statues of the ancient dwarves, you know, which definitely has, uh, you know, I am here to recover my kingdom all over it. And then, of course, the third one. And this, of course, would be the ruins of Dale, right? Yep. Yeah. That's my guess. Yeah. Now, could it, the dome question. here, that looks uh, familiar. That looks from... like the foot of the Lonely Mountain in the, uh, behind, right? Presumably, yeah. Yeah. You um, know, I was just thinking, I wonder if the, if the winter, could that be due to smog somehow? Well, at least, again, at least thematic. I mean, it seems ironic because, of course, the dragon like literally omits heat. Um, and mm -hmm. so the actual physical description of the inside of the mountain is like terribly hot and stuffy because of the presence of the dragon and steam is emerging from its mouth. Now, that um, is a detail that they do seem to have kept. Uh, but because um, there was a there was a poster, right? Wasn't there a, a, a movie poster for this yes. film that was released recently that showed the front gate with steam coming out of it? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so clearly they're keeping that particular detail. Um, uh, Tony is asking, is this scene from Ravenhill? Possibly. Ravenhill, as it's described in the book anyway, is more of a lookout post and less of a sort of outcropping like this. Um, but um, anyway, I, I'm so, so I'm not sure, but it's, uh, but it's, it's, it's possible. Um, uh, anyway, so, uh, so yeah, so this is, but you're right, Corey. I mean, these three visions, like Kate was just saying too, I mean, you've got these itty bitty, you know, dwarves and hobbit with three scenes of enormous grandeur. Yes. Um, like you say, the mountain, the statue, and, and now Dale. It's it's pretty sweeping. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, Sarah was just, you know, saying it's like, you know, getting a kind of, you know, Argonath vibe, uh, you know, with the huge dwarf king statue. Um, yeah. And I mean, even right. remembering that passage in the book, you know, where... Um, the response by Frodo and Sam is, you know, they feel terribly oppressed going under, you know, they feel diminished and terrified going through the Argonoth. But then there's Aragorn in the rear of their boat saying, fear not, right? Um, and uh, and obviously taking great encouragement uh, at the sight of, uh, you know, the kings of old, uh, in whose footsteps he's following and whose legacy he has arrived to fulfill. And so there's, there's clearly, I mean, I've, you know, made before lots of, uh, you know, Thorin Aragorn parallels. And I think that they're clearly there. Um, and it kind of looks like, I mean, I, 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 even visually, I can't imagine that Peter Jackson and his team think that we're, that the moviegoers are not going to be thinking of the Argonoth too. Um, when they, when they look at those statues. So that parallel, I think is, is pretty striking though. Less was made of it in the Lord of the Rings films than is made of it in the book. But, um, uh, out of curiosity, um, have we considered the possibility that all of this stuff that we think is snow, it might be ash. 
Well, but there's ice on the lake in that. Yeah, there were there was ice floating in the lake, Um, and I wouldn't think that ash would. But what about as we get closer to the mountain? I wouldn't think that ash would sit like that. That is probably not. Like it wouldn't drift in that way. (laughs) I wouldn't think. I mean, I you know, it's not like. I am intimate familiarity uh, of volcanoes, but but from what I understand of ashfall, I don't think it's going to lie like that. It would blanket everything. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. It would be like a film over things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. (laughs) Okay, so Dave, Dime is trying to bail you out and suggesting that maybe dragon ash is different from volcanic ash. So there you go, Dave. It's possible. Okay. Yeah. that's what I was thinking, too. Exactly. I knew it. So now let's go back and actually listen to the voiceover here, um, leading up into the Thranduil scene. Where does your journey end? You seek that which would bestow upon you the right to rule. The quest to reclaim a homeland and slay a dragon. Okay, now two things. You seek that which would give you the right to rule. Right. Mm-hmm. Arkenstone, right? It's got to be the Arkenstone. Arkenstone. It's got to be the Arkenstone. Really, yeah. really going back to that to that whole um, d- divine... Divine right divine thing. Divine sort of countenance. Oh, divine yeah. right thing that they set up in the, the pro. Absolutely. And that's fascinating because... <laughs> The way says it's back. (laughs) (laughs) The way the way that um, the way that the Arkenstone was talked about in film. I mean, obviously, it was connected in that line that you know, famous or notorious line uh, among uh, Tolkien fans and filmgoers um, uh, of the divine right. Um, I mean, that's that's present, but the way it was presented in the first film almost made it sound like that was a Thror thing. That, like, Thror considered it that way. Like, this yeah. is how Thror liked to think of it. In Thror's mind, it was connected with his throne. Um, the fact that Thranduil is talking this way, as if Thranduil concedes the fact that whoever has the Arkenstone has the right to rule, that, to me, throws the whole thing in a different light. Well, Thor well, ne- Thor- doesn't even mention it in movie one. I mean, he doesn't, he, he never really brings it up, right? I don't. Would call him mentioning oh, you're it. Right. No. There's no discussion of it other than in the prologue. No. Yeah. Um and, and this is, you know, and this goes back to but, you know, when we were talking about the uh interactions between Thorin and Thranduil uh a couple episodes ago, one of the questions was, look, if he's the rightful heir and it's not going to be disputed that he's the rightful if he's going to be recognized as why shouldn't he be by Thranduil? as the grandson of Thror and the rightful heir of the kingship, and if he has in some sense, which is not totally obvious and clearly not connected to the book, um, if he in some sense uh, owes fealty to the king of Erebor, then how can he possibly um, justify not helping Thorin? I mean, if he's, oh, hi, my king, I'm going to keep you in prison. I mean, that becomes a huge deal, but... If he's actually suggesting, hey, th- hey, Mr. Mr. Arkenstoneless wannabe king, uh, you know, I don't have to do anything unless you're holding the Arkenstone. That's both a little bit bizarre, uh, but also really puts things on a different <laughs> footing. Well, and plus Thorin, it could be just a, a tactical um, 
or decision on his point on his part not to talk about the Arkenstone because it sounds a lot better. We're going to go and slay the dragon rather than I'm going to go back and get the Arkenstone so I can be the king. Right, right. That's, and that's that's cons- selfish. That's kind of that's pretty consistent with the book too, right? Like the the first we hear of the Arkenstone is when um is when uh, Thorin's running around looking for it in them. You know, it's not like he, they're not singing about it at Bag End. Right. That kind of stuff. Right. And that, um, yes, exactly. And now that's, it's one of those things which, uh, you know, you can see as kind of like a, 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 you know, uh, in some ways a kind of accident of how the story evolved. Tolkien didn't think of the Arkenstone until that stage of the story. Um, so uh so there's no reference to it earlier on but but no you're right i mean it's not until right before um the when after bilbo goes in the first time and brings back the cup and they're talking about all the treasures in there that's when thorin mentions the arkenstone and we hear about it for the first time and then bilbo finds it and we get the description of it and we see bilbo's interaction with it when he puts it in his pocket and then we get thorin becoming rapidly arkenstone obsessed as he goes through. But of course, the other thing I said, there were two things in that section that, uh, that, that bit of uh, voiceover, which really jump out. The Arkenstone references the one, the other is the latter part to me is the other is the, the latter part that he, he cites Thorin's quests goals as to re- to regain a kingdom and to slay a dragon. And those are the two things that are almost never mentioned in the book. In the book, it's all about the treasure. It's all about recovering the gold. Uh, from the beginning, that's the whole point. You know, you know, as a, in a point I've made lots of time, Bomber characterizes their whole trip as a treasure hunt. Uh, you know, that's what they're that's what they're about. And of course, we we were we discussed, and when we were talking about film one, the the very remark, you know, sort of dramatic. Uh, way in which the films depart from that um, by emphasizing the bigger picture stuff. Um, whereas in the book, slaying the dragon is like literally the last thing on the minds of any of the dwarves. Uh, in fact, they quite omit to think about this and plan for it, as Bilbo feels in- inclined to point out uh, that it had always well, been a weak point in their plans. The, the books are more of a children's book where a treasure hunt sounds... It's, it's very much something a child could relate to. Oh, we're going to have a treasure hunt. We might run into a dragon, but we're really, you know, we're going to look for treasure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep, yep, uh, exactly. And, uh, and, and, you know, and it's, 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 more of the, it's more of the sort of fairy tale story, um, you know, to, to set out on a, on a quest for, uh, for, you know, the long lost treasure of the dwarves. Um, but... Anyway, it's um, it's definitely it's. Well, I have a thought. It's fascinating that Frandul characterizes it that way. There's some. There's also the possibility. This is a little far fetched, okay? But there's also the possibility that Thorin doesn't know until Thranduil actually says this to him that in order for him to get, you know, regain the fealty or regain the allies as king of the mountain, king of the mountain, he has to have the Arkenstone. I mean, it could be he doesn't know until Thranduil actually has this conversation with him. So Far-fetched, 
so, but a possibility. Well, you know, I could imagine that at least as a kind of political gambit on Thranduil's part, basically him standing on a technicality in order to try to get out of his fealty. Like, oh, wait, you know, I, I could see Thorin, uh, you know, looking like this, saying, I am your king. What do you think you're doing? And Thranduil being like, oh, actually, technically, you're not my king because you don't hold the Arkenstone. Sorry. Um, so, you know, so, I, I, uh, I, I yeah. can see that. I want to. I want to weigh in. I want to weigh in with a uh, sort of counterbalance all of this. So it's possible. First of all, uh, let, let's let's run with the Arkenstone. It's possible that it still doesn't have to do with Thran, Thranduil being it, it being um, uh, uh, you know sort of with, with being being subservient to the king under the mountain, but more more of it more. It's like the status quo is what it is, and we're doing pretty good. And Thorin trying to reestablish himself as king, whether that means getting the Arkenstone or not, is just going to change things. That it's not so much Thorin setting himself up above the elves, but setting himself on on par with them. Right now, he's kind of like the vagabond king, guy running around saying, "I'm king under the mountain." Yeah, where's your mountain, buddy? We don't have to take you seriously. <laughs> so it may not necessarily be fealty. It might just be, you know. Why do, why do, you know, like by going and trying to reclaim your kingship, then I can treat you as something other than just like a guy who's trespassing in my forest. The other thing, too, is um, it's possible that he's maybe talking more generally than Arkenstone. You know, after all, what is the thing that Thorin really needs to possess in order to be king? His kingdom. He actually has to have the, <laughs> right. the kingdom under the mountain, right? Like maybe that's what he's talking about. Oh, you're going to go, you know, you're going to take back the mountain so you can be king under the mountain again and be be in charge and all that kind of stuff. Like, so maybe he's not actually talking about the Arkenstone because that that would be a be a pretty big change because they didn't nobody really even knew about it. But somehow the Arkenstone is going to have to get reintroduced. I mean, Neil Finn sang about it, so I mean, it's got to be in the movie someplace. <laughs> well, yeah, I think you know, it, I, I mean, mean, it will I think be. It but... point of it. So it's going to be, you know, I mean, I can't believe they wait until movie three to reintroduce it. I think, I think it, I think it will be, but I I don't think it necessarily has to be like, you know, I don't think the soul, I I don't think it's guaranteed that, that friend duels, yeah, always have to be careful with trailers, right? Yeah, no, it's true. And they present it out of context and sometimes they even put things in there. They don't even end up in the final. Yeah, but then it's no fun. Right. Well, it just seems. Be creative here seems to me that the Arkenstone is going to have to take on some new characteristics because, you know, a pretty jewel doesn't usually make for a king. You know, yeah, but see, it's... it's my, as, as spectacular as it is, right, you know, right. it's not a Silmaril, it's not a, the One right, Ring. Right, right. Or I, is I, it? I just, but I think the bit, <laughs> for me, the main thing is less whether it's about the Arkenstone or not or the fealty thing. I just, I don't buy that that was the actual relationship. That's a pretty big change that's not even consistent with um, the the previous films, right? Because if that was really true, shouldn't Legolas have been deferring to Gimli throughout the film? Ah, uh, well, uh, let's see well, how things... Have, it doesn't even have to be fealty. It could just simply be, you know, that Thorin knows he needs Thranduil's acknowledgement of him as king under the mountain. But let's not be hasty. But let's not be hasty. Let's see how things settle out politically after the Battle of Five Armies before but, we yeah, think about right. that. Maybe yeah, they'll treat Maybe in fact that was maybe that was the previous relationship. Exactly. Maybe in, the, in the world to come, they'll decide to be peers yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, and it's the, really and, it, and in some in some respect, it doesn't matter. It's fairly obvious that what the more general thing is that what what Thranduil is getting at is, 
you're going to go and try to set yourself up as king in, under the mountain. Whether whether Thranduil was a vassal or not previously, it's it doesn't it, it, it's going to change things if he goes and actually succeeds. And more than likely, he's going to fail and right. he's just going to screw everyone over and right. just upset the dragon. But, and, but here, and, and, though I agree with your, you know, be cautious about investing too much in what is said in Treyors because of context and everything. Totally agree. It's the definiteness of that statement that gets to me. What's seek that which would bestow upon you the right to rule? You seek that which would bestow upon you the right to rule. It can't be the kingdom he's talking about because that is the ruling. It's not the thing that gives you the right to rule. Um, you seek right. that no, which would bestow right. upon you the right to rule. It doesn't mean he means rule me or rule us. Yeah. Yeah. Be a king no, no. Anywhere. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. You're right. He's, it's, it really does kind of sound like he's talking about. Um, but uh, of course, you are right about object. the radicalness of that change i mean that's a it's i mean and and it's it's something you know that set off so many alarm bells for everybody when you saw the first film i mean as soon as it said divine right you know like you could hear like tolkien fans everywhere reeling back and saying what the heck is going on here um <clears throat> it's a big deal uh we should move on to talking I mean, we sort of in, in listening to this passage we sort of skipped past this visually this is clearly uh inside the halls of the elven king which is our that's first really glimpse nice. of that I really like the fact you can see kind of uh, visual echo, like in the in the way that the columns are done and up here um, of, you know, the kind of like, uh, you know, the the Rivendell architecture um, and even some of the uh, some of the work in Lothlorien. So it's it definitely like looks elvish and yet it is clearly underground. You know, there are definite echoes of Erebor as well. I think yep. it's really cool because they've got the tree roots yeah, where with Lothlorien, with Lothlorien, it was all up in in the tree boughs, which yes. I think is really an interesting, you know, contrast. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. It took me about a minute to figure out where the heck this was. Right. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, first look, I was like, okay, where the heck is this? Like... I started to wonder, like, I can't, it can't be the Lonely Mountain, there's, there's too many people, and I was like, oh, wait, there's a lot, those look like elves, oh, it must be the, the Elven King's Kingdom. It's Minigroth. Yeah. yeah. I don't really yeah. have, yeah. exactly, that's what I really, that's where I really started thinking, I was like, this is very, this is totally Menegroth, man, this is, that's what they're really going for. I mean, I don't know if that's what, that's what, I don't know if that's what Peter Jackson's going for, but that's totally the image that's invoked in my mind, like, this is yeah. how I pictured, um, 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 Menengrod, yeah, and yeah, I think it's a yeah. different scale than um, than the Elven King's Hall. Yes, yes, yes. It's much bigger, and uh, yeah. and and it it it's. I think that they have done, and this is no surprise. I mean, you know, anybody who complains about the films, like that's fine. But the one thing that I think is sort of most obviously excellent about the films is. You know, Alan Lee and John Howe's visual design. They've done such a good job. Yeah. It's not that I like the design of absolutely everything and every character uh, in the films, but especially their scene, their settings and landscapes have been fantastic from the very beginning of, of, the, of the Fellowship of the Ring. And what they have done brilliantly here is answer the question that so many people have, 
which is why do the elves live underground or rather like how can you picture these caves that elves live in elves being so you know like Lothlorien makes sense right the city in the trees with the trees you know one with the trees that seems like a very elvish thing but it does living in caves underground does not seem like a very Tolkien elf thing to do uh it, it certainly for many people you know for those who are Silmarillion fans it seems a little bit more um familiar because you've got both Nargothrond and Menegroth to uh to use as models but nevertheless it seems counterintuitive and how are you going to depict it you know because it would just be weird to have you know Legolas's people living in a place that looks like Moria or a place or even a place that looks like Erebor so we see what they've done light look at all the light we've got windows in these underground caves and green <laughs> we've got growing things inside Water. the caves trees tree roots a so. stream yeah. for crying out loud yeah, I feel like the I feel like I feel like once you've spent uh, enough time in the Silmarillion, that sort of that you, you sort of disabused that notion yes. of elves and yes. tree livers. Like that's a very that's a very Dungeons and Dragons sort of you know distillation of of uh, or a Lord of the Rings films thing. Like yes, you, it, it, after you've read through Silmarillion enough times, you start to realize actually they a lot of them lived in caves, or actually they lived in a lot of different places: caves, mountains, trees cities they're actually they're basically just like men in that sense so yeah of course we cross the streams you know we cross the streams here because i don't i don't think legolas said it in the movie did he that the thing about when gimli uh, raves about the caves there at helm's deep and and uh legolas and he have that conversation and legolas can't understand why gimli would care so much and i I think you've said that before Corey, haven't you it's like well if legolas lives underground why would he be so surprised like gimli's about the case. But I don't think he does it in the movie, though. I don't think they no. have that conversation. No, movie. he doesn't. And, of course, even then in the book, Gimli teases him about that. He says, like, you know, do you think those caves that you live in are beautiful? Well, oh, you right. Know. And, 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 of course, he adds, as a writer, and dwarves helped in their making long ago. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, he, he it's, it's <laughs> you know, he definitely... Um, but it's clear that he doesn't... That Legolas doesn't invest much in the beauty of his underground caves. You know, um, his reaction is certainly not, and when he hears Gimli talking, his reaction is certainly not, oh, yeah, I love caves. I'd love to see them because, I, you know, I'm a big cave fan myself. I, I live in a cave. I was born in a cave. Um, so you're right. I mean, he doesn't have that reaction. He doesn't seem to think much about it. Um, well, the dwarves, the dwarves seem to love the beauty of the rocks and the crystals and the, the stones they find in the cave. But this cave is very much carved to look like living trees and yes. living yeah. things. Yeah, I'm wondering if maybe we're other stones. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if we're being too narrow with our with our understanding of the word cave. You know, maybe the difference is that 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 um, that the the elven caves are sort of caves and only in the technical sense, but they're not at all the way the kinds of caves that a dwarf would consider to be a cave like right this certainly looks very different visually than moria yeah and it's this certainly like tree roots right exactly this is not necessarily the kind of cave which is like you know a large hollow inside you know deep inside a mountain they're obviously not deep inside um and it looks like i could, you could easily imagine portions of this that are actually open to the air you know that this is not just um yeah it this is not a massive way, subterranean like, complex so much as right. like a secret area inside the hills that, you know, some of which is underground and some of which might not be. 
I mean, if you think about Lothlorien, too, there's a canopy overhead that is covering a lot of the light. So, right. you know, if you think about, if you took away the roof, this could almost be like Lothlorien. It looks a lot like Lothlorien, just carved out of stone instead of living trees. Right. Now, Ed asks the very sensible question, which is often, uh, which is which is a, quite a good question, really. Um, why do you recreate a forest under a forest? That is... If you wanted to be among the trees, why, why not just go among the trees? Why be in a cave in the first place? And I mean, for, the for safety. exactly that's always been the answer to that. Um, has been it's been it's it's a stronghold, and uh, you know it, it's you know more defensible than a forest uh, is, and that seems to be the primary reason. But it is, uh, but Ed, I mean, I do, I do recognize that there does seem to be kind of an irony to be like, let's make a cave. Hey, I know, let's pretend we're in a forest. Oh, wait, actually, we are in a forest. We could just go outside. Um, but <laughs> you know, the other, other odd thing is, I mean, this looks like it took a long time to carve out. Yes. And if, if Greenwood the Great has just recently become evil, would the elves have really needed this, this kind of cave? Well, I mean, it's... See, I, I mean, think that's where the, the men in Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, see, the halls of the, the, halls of the Elven King in, in, the, in the original Hobbit book weren't for secure... I mean, they, were, they had already existed yeah. even when Greenwood the Great was Greenwood the Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, though. Yeah, though in the Hobbit book, there's not really a Greenwood concept. In, well, right. At least right. not at the beginning. But but still. Well, not... I mean, in the Hobbit, it's actually. I mean, in the Hobbit, there is no need for security, right? I mean, well, there's. That really well, enter into it. I mean, I, I guess it does just sort of go back to the Menegroth model. I mean, stronghold and, and fortress a, are two words that are used in the, the Hobbit. The elven idea, or almost in their genetic memory, I suppose you could call it, of of having a stronghold that's hard to find from the outside. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Right, right. The cave is a good way to do that. Right. Yeah. James asks a good question: Do they all live underground, sure. or is it just the king's home and a refuge for the people when needed? Um, I, I could easily see it being done that way. Um, that especially even the book kind of invites that with, you know, the sound of the elvish voices that they hear through the trees and the, the woodland feasts that they stumble upon. It's clear that it's not like they, you know, stay underground all the time, um, or even most of the time necessarily. So one could easily imagine if the, uh, you know, if the, the, the land of the wood elves in the Hobbit was more thoroughly envisioned, um, one could easily imagine that many of them would be living most or all of their time above ground and the halls of the elven king are really just the fortress and stronghold and the royal right. seat that to me makes makes perfect sense though 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 tolkien didn't really spell that out certainly not in the hobbit but um, um yeah i have a slight uh, change of direction on this on this uh visual um yana asked the question do the company do the dwarves look like they had their hands bound and i can't really tell that but they definitely are being escorted by elven here right guards yeah it looks going across the bridge there to reclaim a homeland no they're swinging their arms but they're definitely being escorted by a strong by a strong force yeah and we can look at them again here 
Uh, Sharon Hoff helped us out here. To reclaim from, uh, our homeland. Annotated Hobbit. Yeah. 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 No, they're not. Um, oh, okay. There we go. They don't seem to be bound there in the in the uh, in the yeah. pictures. Um, being escorted. So Sharon found in the Hobbit where it says, in fact, the subjects of the king mostly lived and hunted in the open woods. Okay. Yes. That's from the book. Certainly hunted. Yes. 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 Um, okay. Good. Good. Um, okay. Slay a dragon. Oh, and of course, one, this was pointed out early on, uh, that is, early on, I say, by which I mean hours ago, um, uh, by people, uh, uh, you know, with whom I was uh, chatting about this over Facebook and over Twitter, um, one question that we've been asking uh, this season so far is definitively answered here. And that is, is Thorin going to be captured separately or is he going to be with them when they're taken by the spiders? Right. Um, th- his liberal covering with cobwebs certainly, <laughs> I think, answers that question here. Yeah. Which I still you find just... kind of a disappointment. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sh- I'm certainly not surprised by it. Um, but I, in fact, didn't I? Didn't I predict that way back at the beginning of season one that Thorin would be there for the spider fight? Um, but I think you did. I think I did. But anyway, I, I, I'm did. kind of I'm, I'm a little bit sad that that came true uh, because I would I would have liked to see the separate confront, confrontation. Um, but and 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 it, and it will still be interesting. I know I remember the issue we were discussing back at the beginning of that. Um, that uh, that is back at the beginning of season one um, was how are they going to do Bilbo's heroism among the spiders without diminishing Thorin? You know, if if uh, if Studley King Thorin has to play the like damsel in distress role that Bilbo comes and rescues, um, what does that do to his character arc? So I'll still be interested to see how they handle that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, Ed is of course teasing us for. Uh, uh, having an hour-long podcast on 20 seconds of video so far. And he shouldn't be surprised. He's one, he's a Mythgard student. He should know better. Exactly. <laughs> so we are on pace for a six-hour episode no, here, just to just Seriously, to say. though, um, uh, actually, yeah, this is pretty bad. I was, I, was going to, I was going to respond to him by saying that um, Father Roderick and Inga and I took, like, I think we did oh, eight yeah. hours on analyzing the first film. But but yeah, if we're on pace for six hours, that's even worse. On, on, on a two-minute trailer, yeah. So let's see if we can step it up a little bit. So okay, back to Thranduil. Okay, can I just say that they really need to be wearing helmets? That looks so unsafe. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Public safety <laughs> message. Chill, kids, don't try this at home because holy cow. The odds that your neck remains unbroken while it's sticking out of a barrel that is rolling off a precipice like that. Okay. Making a, uh, I don't think they'll be making a uh, a Lord of the Rings land ride. Oh, oh, I think they will. Oh, oh they will. I think oh, they I, will. I, that's the first Except thing I thought of when be, I saw them. Oh yes. Oh yes. You will, be, you will be wearing a helmet, or there'll be a cage over you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> and and I promised that I would not get too obsessed about the fact that these butterflies are blue, but. Let's just get it out of our system now. These are supposed to be black butterflies. Okay. That's it. Okay. I'm done. I'm done. It's fine. Um, 
Uh, <laughs> Kate says it's the lighting. Kate says it's just the lighting. Yeah. No. Now I don't deny that visually it's lovely, and of course the way in which the blue butterflies are connected with the blue sky and Bilbo like not having seen the sky or the sun, and you've got the sun on the autumnal leaves and the brilliant blue butterflies echoing the color of the the blue sky that he hasn't seen, and the wind, uh, you know, blowing his hair. You know, it's it's. It's a lovely moment. They've done it well visually, uh, and I will try not to weep over much for the Black Emperors. Pete, Pete suggests the Barrels Out of Bond ride as well as the Denethor's Deathly Bungee Jump. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. But, but would they have to actually set you on fire first before you did that? Yes. Yeah, that would be that would be an insurance hazard. I would have to think. Okay, I'm like a flame retardant jumpsuit. <laughs> yes, yes. First we douse you in lighter fluid, and then we push you off a cliff. Maybe to get get back on track a little bit. I'm always doing this to Trish. That's true. Yes, yes. Um, uh, if they were black butterflies, they would look like bats, kind of. Yes, they? yes, they yeah. would. No, I, I, I do suspect that if those butterflies were black visually, it would look odd. It probably just wouldn't work. In the, in the scene as they've they depicted have, it there. They may have actually tried black butterflies and it didn't work. So, yeah. you know, maybe they tried. I can see it. Un, unreliable narrator. They actually were blue. Bilbo, Bilbo got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Who's to say that it's the movie that's wrong we and the book that's right? We can... Can throw the whole book how out. Can these, how can these barrels not get full of water going through rapids like that? I'm you already sorry. know. I just, I'm having a hard time suspending my disbelief. Yeah, I know. It seems completely. It seems it's pretty ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's I don't so know much that it's more engaging more... visually than uh, just a barrel going down. Well, right. Yeah, is it more ridiculous I mean, than these guys surviving in sealed barrels? Well, see, yeah, I mean, that, true. that is an issue. and uh, But, yeah, I, Laura and I were chatting about this earlier. Certainly, visually speaking, dramatic shots of sealed-up barrels bumping their way down a river is really yes. not that much to look at, <laughs> even less to look at. Yeah. The only way they could do it was they'd have to add a, a layer of sound over it where we could hear what was going on in the barrel. So they were going, oh, ow. <laughs> yeah. And that would be ridiculous. And that would be, that would be comical. But, uh, but and, and then, of course, I guess you could mix it up by having the, like, barrel cam, like, shots from the dwarves' point of view of pitch darkness oh, yeah. while they're being jostled <laughs> around. Really yeah, so, I mean... One can certainly understand how visually it is much better to have them actually sticking out of the barrels. But, um, though, it, though it does also answer my other question. Remember when we were talking about the barrels before and, and Trish, you were saying there that it, it, it mentioned their, them being wine barrels and I was saying that's impossible. Well, no, it's not impossible if their tops are open. I mean, the point I was making right. is that you can't reseal a wine barrel once you, if you, once you pop the end off. But, uh, but if you're not resealing it, then fine, yeah, by all yeah, means. Solve that problem. Exactly, no problems. Now Sharon, Sharon brings up a point that we actually talked about. Oh, who's that? Sharon brings up a point that we talked about last year too, which is if this is supposed to be their commerce route between you know the Elven King Salt Lake Town, how do they get back up the river? <laughs> yeah, uh, this does not look like a let's pull the barrels down to Lake Town today kind of river. No. <laughs> 
a river is not exactly what you would call navigable. Uh, but you know, hey. Also, also, okay. if this is a if this is a main commerce route, it looks pretty insecure. Yeah, yeah, it kind of does. Um, looks looks prone to looks vulnerable to banditry. <laughs> yeah. Right by yeah. like, for instance, uh, uh, CGI elves scampering around uh, on branches, and also maybe goblins or orcs or yeah, zomborks. Yeah, yeah. If we get really lucky. Um, one quick question about. Okay, so now this is um, Mirkwood, obviously. We're getting an earlier Mirkwood shot. One thing I just noticed when I paused it, what's this? Is that just nothing? Didn't that look like a person? Is that just an optical illusion on my part? Where? Hmm. This, right here. So, is it something in the foreground? I think that's that an optical illusion. Okay, it's just a but thing. But now that you've said that, my brain, yeah. my brain has uh, yeah. overfit and decided okay. it's a, it's yeah. a that's probably it does just look like. I think it does look like people. It does. It's Bellatrix but... Lestrange. Like Whatever. It okay. Looks like they're yeah. looking that way. Yeah. No, probably nothing. Okay, anyway, so here we are back to the party in Mirkwood here. So now this is, you know, people were worried that Mirkwood is too dark. Of course, this much light should not be shining through Mirkwood. Um, and also, you know, notice that they have opted for the dead tree look rather than the dense and impenetrable canopy of leaves look. One defense that, again, is to be made here, this is a visual medium, people, so, like... Uh, you know, spending like 15 to 20 minutes of movie time in a place of almost impenetrable darkness is not going to look very good on screen. It's just not. Um, so, um, uh, I can understand them having some more light and instead going for the dead and blasted forest look rather than the uh, totally dense and impenetrable forest look, but... Um, but I do, I do certainly understand people being concerned about all the rays of sunlight coming through into Mirkwood here. Oh, uh, Yana suggests that this is Tom Bombadil. Sudden... I think that's probably correct. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm thinking they might be elves. They didn't put him in the, they didn't put him in the other films. Right. So exactly. They've decided, right. they've decided the correct way to use him is to add him into a movie he's not in. Yeah. Yeah. That okay. makes perfect sense. Yeah. Courtney says, uh, I like the way the vines look like they're choking the life out of the trees. I agree. And that's one of the really, uh, really memorable descriptions of Mirkwood when a, a, the description of the sort of gateway at the beginning of Mirkwood um, emphasizes that. And, you know, like the trees are, you know, the vines are killing the trees and the trees are killing each other. Um, it is a, a very, a very sort of fierce um, uh, place in that way, um, so I, I don't think and, it's totally uh, beyond the pale to 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 describe it in this kind of a dead forest way. Yeah, and Dave, I think that Peter Jackson's next project is going to be the Adventures of Tom Bombadil. Oh man, yeah. we can only hope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like my so, life would be so complete. I, could that be an orc? Could that be <laughs> what would have they're to... looking at in there? It doesn't look very orky. No, it really no. doesn't. It's probably nothing. Elves. I'm thinking it's elves that are hiding. It, it, it also doesn't look like an elf. <laughs> it really doesn't look like anything. Yes. Although, no, it's probably not. I think it's interesting it looks that looks like a person, just not any person that that would that would appear in this film. Right. Maybe it's a cameraman. Um, it, it's interesting <laughs> the uh, terrain that they have here. That they you know they've opted against a. 
you know, we're just going across a forest floor. I mean, there were no cliffs or anything like that. Mountains and cliffs. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it seems to be more rugged terrain, um, which is okay. I mean, there were hills and mountains in that. Terrain, but... By the way, sorry. Have you have you also noticed what's not in this? I mean, obviously, you know, we don't have Stephen Fry in this, but we also have we also don't have any scene in this trailer of you know a bomber falling in and, and them having to carry him around Mirkwood. Ah, the Black River. Just, I mean, yeah, he'll probably. He'll probably show up in another one, but I also thought it was interesting we don't see the master, which makes me think that they may have another trailer. Ah, uh, yeah, I would. Uh, there's there's got to be a Stephen Fry trailer. There yeah. has to be. <laughs> Can I just say that? that a funny suggestion. Sorry, I was I was just going to point out that at the very least, this segment could be used as an excellent little league baseball instructional video. That's an excellent pop up slide that Legolas just did. So I just oh, that's true. <laughs> his form is really quite good. So, you know, at the very least, we have that extra function here. That's true. And and here's the doors being captured. Yeah, yeah, ones. yeah. Right after they've emerged. So, and this actually kind of, uh, you know, remember there was that whole controversy, Dave. It was the, one of the things that you and I were so bothered by way back at the beginning of season one. The idea that yeah. Legos is going to come and rescue them from the spiders. That does not look like that's happening here. Um, oh, no, you're right. This we, looks yeah. like. Look this, that up. This yeah. looks like how it happens in the book. That is, they have just escaped the spiders, and the All elves right. capture them when they're fresh after is having escaped the spiders. Mm-hmm. And maybe they they add the elves to the tail end of the action sequence and have them to help disperse the spiders after the, the dwarves have already escaped, but this hardly looks like we're here to cut you free from the webs. So No, you're right. That, I think, is good news. I'm pretty sure if Thorin's holding Orcrist, we can we can conclude that the dwarves have successfully defended themselves at least for a while. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, he yeah. does not. He is not, not looking like, helpless here. And it's not like Legolas turned. It's not like Legolas was. It's not like Legolas was shooting shooting spiders and then turned around and said, "By the way, you're captured." Right. It, he came running out of nowhere. Yep. Yep. So, um, so Bilbo perhaps has already put the ring on at this point and. Yes, uh, I would suspect so. Um, And uh, can I also just add that anybody who carries a weapon like that has no right (laughs) to criticize Bilbo for using a letter opener? What is that? (laughs) Like, I've got like a three-inch blade. Back off. I could probably safely carry this onto an airplane and pass through security, but get out of my way. And then you've got Bofer in the background carrying what? Like a, a plank? I mean, what is that? I mean, like, I got a Maybe piece of twisted wood here and I'm not afraid. And he's got this awesome, like, expression on his face. Like, come here, I'll give you a piece of this big old whatever it is I'm carrying. It's, it's, this is just a, a great shot right here. Maybe only Thorin got a sword. No yeah, way. exactly. Yeah, it looks like no one's got a weapon except for Thorin. Yeah, yeah. Which... Is interesting. Okay, well, let's get we'll get Legolas's bright blue eyes here. Do not think I won't kill you, dwarf. Okay. What the heck is going on here? Yeah. When did we allow? Okay. Before we get to Toriel, this is a bear. Yeah, it's odd they put the scene in. They're trying to throw you off. Yeah. This has got to be that's Bjorn. That's a bear. That's a bear. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was having a long discussion on Twitter about this. Yeah. And not only is this a bear, 
This has got to be Bjorn. Look how freaking big that bear is. It's got to be Bjorn. I know. It's got to be Bjorn. I mean, yes, the book says there are gigantic big bears that are around outside. Now, just to, uh, to, to um, uh, uh, sort of contextualize, I was having this debate on Twitter about, like, what exactly is going on here. My, my like, optimal case theory would be that the bear they are trying to hold out is one of the bears, one of the nocturnal guardians of Bjorn's house, that this is not, in fact, them, for some reason, fighting Bjorn, but rather, uh, you know, like, Bjorn says, hey, don't leave the house because it's dangerous at night, and they're like, yeah, whatever, and they go out and are almost attacked by a bear and run back inside and barely escape, and Bjorn comes back and says, dude, I told you not to leave the house. Um, That would be my, like, optimal wish-fulfillment version of this scene, but yeah, looking, but too. that's totally can you, Bjorn. Can you tell if it's? Can you tell if it's nighttime? Suppose it's. I can't. Uh, su- suppose it's a Goldilocks situation. Candles are on. They they came upon the house and it was a bit and it, no one was home and they went in and then Bjorn showed up. That is possible. Well, we do yeah, have maybe. the scene of them running through the front door. We have the scene I, from the lot oh, video maybe log Bjorn is chasing them in the front. So it could be, but you know, the thing I couldn't figure that out was why would Bjorn be chasing them into his well, own house? Oh, it, I'm not it sure. Certainly, it seems like it must be this. This must be how they're going to meet, and obviously, that they start things off with a with a misunderstanding that involves Bjorn chasing them or attacking them, whether he chases them into his house or whether they were in his house and he found them there and attacks. But it seems pretty clear that this is, this must be how they're going to meet. Yes. And I agree with, I agree with Tony's comment, um, uh, that Gandalf does always, you know, go on in the book about how dangerous Bjorn is. I mean, there's, there's the, Gandalf gives them the very clear sense that, you know, we're going to go, the, the person that we're about to go talk to is very powerful and pretty volatile. There's like a non-zero chance that we could get attacked by something quite scary in, you know, the next hour or two. Like, that's always kind of on the table with Bjorn, that he could take things very badly um, be, and because he's a bad enemy uh, and he is not yet their friend. So, you know, I can see this as a kind of exaggeration of that. It's a little bit harder to see how this is going to get smoothed over. You know, hard to see how we do a nice, pleasant round of introductions and end up with him as their friend. Now, of course, we could have, uh, you know, a nice... It could be setting up an interesting uh, sort of arc for Bjorn, where it starts off with them trying to, you know, bar the door against him here, and at the end uh, we get him at the gates of Erebor fighting in the Battle of Five Armies alongside them. Um, you know, you, you you could make an interesting well, kind of correspondence. Well, well, Gandalf is kind of the, the diplomat when they meet Bjorn, so, and we don't see Gandalf here. So yeah. he's going to step in somehow. That's a good question. Is Gandalf even here yet? Does he leave before Bjorn? Yeah, I, No, there he is. When they're running, when they're running away from something, yeah, he's there. Now, I I don't. I'm going to go back to. I don't necessarily know that this is Bjorn. I mean, this could be like his bear guard. I mean, they may get the door closed, and he Bjorn may be standing behind him saying, "Oh, you got past the guard, I see," or something like that. You know, I mean, (laughs) I I can't, I can't get it. How if this is Bjorn and they lock him out of his own house? How do we get them to him being a host? Yeah, no, (laughs) he's so big though. 
It's got to oh, be Bjorn. I like, I like the comment. Bilbo said furrier a little too loudly, apparently. Yeah, I was thinking that Sam's comment. Yeah, I was looking at that one. That's that's why I was laughing just a second ago. I just saw that. Yeah, exactly. Or or maybe he said cape, tippet, or muff, perhaps. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, so I mean, there's this, you know, there's not too much to go on here as far as trying to figure out what's actually happening or, or certainly how they're going to come out of this. But that they're having a rather alarming confrontation with Bjorn seems at least highly probable here. And this is an awesome Martin Freeman face, can I just say? I don't think this is too, this doesn't, this isn't like an offensive change. In no, no, I don't. Especially since emphasizing that Bjorn is really dangerous and unpredictable is in keeping with the spirit of that passage in the book. So, yeah, I mean, is it going more over the top? Yeah, is that a surprise? No. And anyway, like no. in, in a film, you, I mean, you have to be a little less understated about some of these things. Right. It's it's a. I think it's a show don't tell thing. Exactly. It just do, it just won't work to have Bjorn to have Gandalf warn and say, "Hey, this guy's really dangerous. Don't make him mad." Uh, he's serving us food. He's got walking, talking animals. Uh, I don't know about it. <laughs> don't go out. There's bears out there, but we never see them. Right. It's another thing to just have a giant bear attack them. Okay, yeah, we got it. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Dangerous. Check. Got it. Yes. Okay. Let's uh, let's let's look at Toriel. Let's just start off with the visuals here before we get her actual conversation with Legolas, which is what we're getting into. So we've got her apparently in the halls of the Elven King here. <laughs> you see Tony Mead's comment. Basically, Bjorn is the Hulk. Right. You wouldn't like him when he's angry. Right. <laughs> he's always angry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So we've got the Toriel. Looking through, checking out Keeley. Yeah, Just checking out Keeley. Uh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. The thought bubble here is, gosh, that dwarf is hot, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> that is one hot dwarf. Uh, She's gonna have to take our pool. <laughs> our <conundrum. laughs> and then, okay, now we have her in motion, and she here, like, I, 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 is she supposed to be riding on something? I guess not, but... I thought she's just walking. But with great and remarkable fluidity. Um, uh, then we get this shot of Lake Town, which is cool, by the way. I think this is, this is a really neat mm-hmm. Lake Town. Um, I, I, am, I, am, I am a fan of this Lake Town. With, have, that is, having it be more... Um, in Tolkien's pictures, it's more of a... a single thing that it's like you've got the you've got the piles and the beams um out over the lake but it's like like one big square this is more of a like a venetian feel right where each house is individually built up on piles and you've got the street but you've got this the boat streets that go in the middle of it i think that's cool it is more like venice isn't it so this is the climate, boat arriving. Climate change is gonna, climate change is gonna wreak havoc on them. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> you can see I the thought, barrels you know, on this boat. You know what it? So you, you know what it reminded me of is if anyone's ever seen pictures of Olesen in Norway. No, it's sort of like this, sort of hmm. Nordic-looking. Um, they call it the Venice of the North because they've got. Oh wow! Some, it's it's right oh. on the ocean. Cool. It's really cool. Cool. Um, uh, Philip was just pointing out that uh, uh, 
Lake Town is huge, which is true. It's way bigger than it's disc- than we're led to right. understand, I think, in the book. But actually, in some ways, that makes a lot of sense because um, we're supposed, especially at the end, when we're supposed to understand that the portion of the survivors of the destruction of Lake Town make up one of the armies in the Battle of Five Armies. Um, we've got to be able to have some populace. So making this into a town which is going to be um, sort of like Dale in its magnitude, um, rather than just being a little cluster of, of houses on the edge of the lake, uh, is, is, I think, a, a, a pretty good um, uh, visual change here. It's also going to look incredible when the whole thing's set on fire. Yeah, I just thought the same thing, Dave. Yep, and absolutely. Great when smog falls in the middle of it. Yeah, though, how's he going to? Dest- I mean, he's going to have to really roll around a lot to destroy this whole town if he when he lands <laughs> on it, boy. Or maybe he's going to have to come in at a really shallow angle. Uh, That's right. And uh, it, That's but right. yeah, yeah. I guess if he's got enough fire, he'll do okay. Um, uh, hey, hey, Benedict Cumberbatch has experience doing this. He's already crashed a giant spaceship into into San Francisco. <laughs> there you go. So okay. So 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 that that will come in handy, truly. Um, but anyway, let's get back to. But we were talking about. Oh wait. Oh sorry. Actually, Trish, you were right, and uh, uh, Dime was also pointing this out. I did, hadn't noticed that. It does look like we have the barrels here in the boat. Yep. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. the big boat that uh, that Bard brings them in on. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like and I'm assuming they're probably hidden they've the hidden barrel. back into the barrels again. Yeah. Yeah. Though how, since they had no lids. But let's not worry about that. <laughs> okay. Now. Well, maybe they got out of the barrels before before they picked them up. Right. So they just picked up these bun. They're like, why are there all these barrels that wash downstream? Well, you know what? You know what I was thinking is maybe they do drop the barrels down the river to Lake Town. But maybe they come up a different way, like by pony or something like that. Still, like with the river that rough, I mean, what percentage of the barrels are going to survive that trip? Like you'd think. Must be very sturdy barrels. Must be very sturdy (laughs) barrels. Jackson Jackson so doesn't worry about that stuff, does he? No, he really doesn't. He really doesn't. This is one of his his solutions to the proliferation of of dwarf characters. Maybe uh, maybe we we just lost like a a third or a quarter of them along the way. (laughs) Could you imagine? Could you, you know, yeah, yeah. Nope, sorry, Nori drowned. Yeah, oh well. (laughs) Too bad. Bofor got taken by the rocks. <laughs> so okay, so we have Torio and Legolas looking out at Lake Town, which is quite a ways out into the middle of the lake. Um, this must be a very shallow lake, or built on enormously long piles. Um, uh, but that's okay, I suppose. Um, but I guess we have the two of them leading the uh, expeditionary force of. Uh, tree branch hopping elves that are in pursuit of the barrels. I guess is yeah, what is I'm. It, are these the people who who chased after them to cat to recapture them? It kind of or looks that way. Maybe... That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. Tree branches out. and yeah. yeah, it looks like it's the end, and they're looking at the barrels as they're gone yeah, out into they, the lake. Or did they take anyone else with them? <laughs> well, there were at least three in that tree jumping scene above the rapids. Lose one of them too. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, how, and, and how, did they, how did they not catch up with the dwarves right here? Because it's pretty still water. Yeah. Wait, so, so earlier somebody commented 
and I got this this idea got playing in my brain. I don't know if we actually saw this on screen. Were, were, they intermixed the scenes of the barrels and the elves sprinting through trees with scenes of elves fighting goblins. Were yeah, we're getting there. We're not there yet. Yeah, were we're those, there. Are we supposed to interpret that to mean that the orcs were somehow part of this? Were the elves, in fact, actually escorting the dwarves and protecting them, maybe? Uh, hmm. It looks like they were shooting at them. I mean... Yeah, well, it, that's what it looked like. The, if the elves were actively helping them, they probably would have helped them an easier way than having them... <laughs> Okay, no, totally. Trust us. You guys ride these barrels and we'll provide covering fire and what can go wrong? (laughs) Yeah, that would be awesome. No, that's a great plan. That's just what we'll do. Oh, I hope they do that now. (laughs) Yeah, um... Yeah, well, what, what, let's let's hang out with the orc combat scene uh, until until we get there. But um, okay, uh, let's not get to the pile of treasure, which I love. But uh, back to let's we should do Torio and Legolas's dialogue here. What the heck are they talking about? This is not. When did we allow evil to become stronger than us? Stronger than we? Sorry. Okay, so the question, Dave, is what is the fight in question, which is or is not theirs? It's got to be the the dragon. They must have found out somehow about willing chasing them. Yeah, see, I was thinking that too. I was thinking like Thorin and his return to his kingdom, right? That was my first thought. But then when we got to the we're fighting orcs for some reason uh, portion of the trailer at the end, I started to doubt. This is, I think, one of those uh, moments, uh, you know, Dave, that you were talking about, about like being wanting where I want to be cautious because we have so little context um, in which to interpret these comments. But maybe maybe Legolas is talking about the dragon and Erebor and she's talking about the or how the orcs are mixing in with this. Yeah, possibly that she's looking at the bigger picture. You know, uh, the dragon plus the goblins plus Dol Guldur and saying, you know, this is a, this is all a part of a bigger thing. Maybe, I could maybe see these that. Lines aren't even from the same scene. <laughs> maybe they're not looking at each other at all. They're just they're actually <laughs> not, not standing. Having a conversation. They never even talk on screen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Torio and Legos never actually appear on screen together. It's just edited and in. Not- there's not much of a romance. That was another conundrum. If yes. they're standing so far apart. Yes. Oh yeah, but yeah. she she definitely says in an interview there's there's some kind of romance. She doesn't specifically say legless, but she sure implies yeah. it in an interview. So But yeah, no, I, I agree. That's TV. This this facial expression does not say I'm into you to me. Uh <laughs> no, it's right. not. Yeah, I mean, I, actually, I get the impression they're more like brother and sister. Yes, you know, I mean, because she says they grew up together. And she yeah, yeah, actually, I recognize sister. that facial expression <laughs> from, your, from your sister. From your sister, yeah, as yeah. Long as it's not from your wife, <laughs> right? No, no, she gives it to me too. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> right, but um, uh, yeah, Dima says this is definitely not a date, um, but. Uh, I, 
so but one thing I think that we can, you know, whatever the context is and whatever is the fight uh, that they are discussing, which as I think we can see is not absolutely certain, yet nevertheless, I think it's interesting. We were debating, you know, what was going to be, you know, when we were talking about Legolas and Thranduil's uh, positions and, you know, what's Legolas going to be, what, what, what position is he going to be taking in relationship to the dwarves and in relationship to the Lonely Mountain and all of this stuff. Um they have this trailer clearly places Toriel as the sympathetic figure and Legolas is not, which is a fascinating move for them to make. Um, since Legolas was such a fan favorite, if he's going to come off as like basically a racist jerk throughout much of this film, uh, only perhaps to be, you know, redeemed maybe at the end or maybe not, because he's still a racist jerk when he gets to the council of Elrond. Um, that would be I, I I would find that very interesting. Yeah, it makes you wonder what role Tariel is going to have um, with convincing them to bring an elf army up to the Lonely Mountain. If she's going to have a role in that. Well, well if uh, uh, in the book, the army's not there to help them, so that that'll be interesting. Maybe she's going to help uh, Bilbo try to convince all of them to 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 just get along. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I, diplomacy doesn't look like her forte, but I don't know. Maybe. Um, <clears throat> and, okay, I'm just going to say it. I actually kind of like Toriel in this trailer. I'm sorry. I know I'm supposed to hate Toriel. I'm supposed to, like, I'm supposed to, like, join in the universal groan about... Cast again. I know, I know, but you know, I, I, I thought she was cool. I, I'm actually looking forward to seeing more Torio in this film. Disown me if you will, but it's the truth. I can't deny it. Hey, so uh, I, I like her too. I, so I have an alternate theory about the the role of the orcs in this. I think the orcs actually help the dwarves break out. Which is great because that that obviously means that the Wood Elves apparently don't learn their lesson, and then it happens to them again with Gollum. <laughs> I see. Right. So what? So we have like you know Azog and Thorin are just like actually you know we both hate Thranduil. Can't we get along? You know, and we have like a well, you know a a touching like bromance manly hug between Azog and Thorin. Um, no, no, he just yeah. He well, maybe to, it was he maybe it's the orcs open. that. Maybe it's the orcs that stuffed him into those barrels and threw him, threw him out in the river. <laughs> Get rid of him. This was, this was actually a collusion between the elves and the orcs. It's, actually, it's a sport they play. They stuff their prisoners in barrels, send them down the river, and then shoot at them with their dwarf. Different kind of dwarf tossing. Dwarf barreling. Right. Right. Of course, oh, man, uh, this needs to be a t-shirt. <laughs> What dwarf baiting? Uh, <laughs> Philip says fifteen birds in five apple barrels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kate says that's the real theme park ride: shooting at the people in the barrels. <laughs> yeah, that would be excellent. Yes, I like that idea. Yeah, the, the people in the barrels are other theme park. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, so they they give the they give the bows to the people who uh, who have been already waiting for the ride for like two hours but haven't gotten there yet, and they can shoot at the people who are already on the ride. That would be so satisfying and cathartic, you know. I'd yeah, be, that's right. It would be excellent. 
And then they, yeah, that's a says, great idea. You're, you're waiting in line this whole time just so you can get in the barrel and be shot at. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Yana, Yana says, nobody barrels a dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. All right. So how far are we The horde. No problem. We're almost halfway through. Uh, can I just say, like, I, I would say here in this scene, as in the first film, I am delighted by the appropriate amount of treasure. Um, yep. Uh, you know, if anybody who remembers that article that Forbes did estimating the uh, the financial worth of uh, Smaug the Dragon, um, and the general outrage with which this was greeted by how much they undervalued the the horde of Smaug. Um, yep. Uh, uh, this is, I think, much closer. Uh, you know, the, the fact that I, the, the fact that Bil that Bilbo could, uh, you know, slide down the the hill of treasure like this seems to me entirely right. Smaug very wisely put his uh, wealth in precious metals and not in currency. Exactly, and rather than stuffing it into his mattress, just went whole hog and made it into his mattress. So that's really <laughs> uh, perfectly seems fairly sound. Okay, um, Dal Guldur. The setup of this trailer makes it really hard to do like thematic, you know, uh, separate discussions. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about Dal Guldur. So we get a little bit more uh, thorough look at Dal Guldur here than we did before. Um, that is, from here it looks larger than I remember seeing it in the first film. I think we're getting a, we're getting a different angle. Um, and it looks like there's at least one part of it that could be something like functional which wasn't obvious from the first film, where it mostly just looked like this bit. Um, that is simply standing ruins with no even enclosed parts. Um, but anyway, we'll see what this actually forebodes for the actual... Now... Since they've put a shot of Dol Guldur, now that could be misleading, are we at the tombs of the Nazgul here, or are we at uh, Dol Guldur? I think we've got to be at Dol Guldur here. And where are the tombs of the Nazgul? Oh, uh, they're like on the other side of the mountain and about a thousand miles away, but that's okay. We can get there in a bunny sled in about half an hour, probably. So, <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. Um but also, I and, and here, I mean, I'm at a week now, I never saw the CinemaCon footage, but all of the reports out of CinemaCon described, because that was the very first time anybody saw Radagast. And so there was a lot of focus on that in the CinemaCon, post-CinemaCon discussion last year. And remember, the reports that were coming out of it were describing a scene where Gandalf is doing a solo exploration and Radagast kind of shows up and Gandalf has that exchange with him where he's like, you know, hey, what are you doing here? Or I, you know, might have known you would turn up or something like that. This is clearly a Gandalf and Radagast are going here together kind of scene, um, which is what leads me to think, plus the, the rather suggestive uh, helicopter shot of Dol Guldur that was passed, that was positioned in between their comments suggests that this is the two of them going there together on purpose. Have I, have I struck you all dumb or have you lost your audio? I was about to ask. 
<laughs> yeah, it's confusing. You know, the the thing that they do at the High Fells, and then the thing that they do at Dal Guldur, and then if we if it turns into the Battle of Dal Guldur, we know from what Philip of Boyan said at uh, Comic Con last year that. Galadriel is involved in the Battle of Dalgaldur, so I, I... Well, maybe they just haven't sent up the Galadriel signal yet. That's true. Yeah, that, yeah, that's true. He hasn't, he hasn't, you know, taken her up on her offer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He still has to... Um, yeah, yeah. Back in the Elven King's Halls, obviously. Look how this is carved to look like a big tree branch or tree root. That's really cool. Just, again, the visuals here. And again, more sunlight down there in the caves. Um, Am I remembering right that Alan Lee has done some illustrations similar to this? This looks, this looks very Alan Lee. I mean, you know, there are definitely... Yeah. There are definitely... The, the columns look more John Howish to me. But the, like, this part is very Alan Lee. At least, I mean, you know, I, right, I'm, right. I, 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 I'm no expert, but, you know, from my familiarity with their art, that would be my guess. So this is the art, this is the interior of Dol Guldur, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. Such is the nature of evil. Yeah. Eyebrows. The and eyebrows. The I thought they looked funny until I saw this scene, and now I'm like, no, now I am completely convinced by the eyebrows. I mean, that is stunning. I'm trying to get the frost, this fantasy frost. It's just, it's just what the light. It's, it's like moonlight on oh, Thranduil's okay. eyebrows. You know, what could be uh, more yeah. romantic right. than Thranduil's eyebrows in the moonlight? That's right. It looks like they did the same thing with his eyes that they did with Galadriel. I remember they said that they had... Yeah. Eyes multiple lights you know so they'd show up in her eyes yeah no you've got the glint of his eyes you know just just oh, yeah. just setting off the 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 the, the eyebrows <laughs> oh i'm telling you this is this is this it's is the so shot cool, right here. this is the yeah. oscar clip That's for thranduil's right. eyebrows you know when they are nominated for their best supporting actor <laughs> award best eyebrows in a movie absolutely That's right. what are you I, looking at here well, uh, the uh, is that Legolas. Well, it Legolas? looks just like Legolas's yeah. knives, so I would think so. Um, oh, yeah, that's him. Sure. But uh, I hope that in the credits, this guy is named the Pointing Elf, uh, and because this is an awesome job that he's got here, he's like, he's like. I think they went that way, possibly because it's the only path. Yeah. yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, I'm thinking it's it's the guy is telling him about the, the company. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's, you know, that's what is they're not, not in the oh, they're not in the hall. Sorry, it, <laughs> is this where they came from, or because they escaped down a river? I, I'm thinking this is pointing out the encroaching evil of Mirkwood. Well, this must be. This has got to be the gate, like in Tolkien's picture. Yes, this reminds Isn't me a lot of Tolkien's that? picture. Yeah. Of, yeah. of the gates to yeah. the Elven King's Hall. That's exactly what I was thinking. And it's, but of course, we're we're leaving it right. So we're seeing, and also, um, uh, all of the descriptions have a bridge over a river leading up to the external gates to the Elven King's Hall, and that looks like we got a little waterfall here. So it looks like down here we've got you know they're right now on the bridge over the you know the gorge with the river in. Um, and this does, I, I was, uh, Laura, exactly thinking of Tolkien's, um, 
drawing, his line drawing of the sort of rows of trees leading up to the path up to the this, gate. Uh, could this be preparing the um, the scouting party that will eventually stumble upon the dwarves? It's possible. I, I find them. Yeah, I, 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 I am. I am. I am. I am. Uh, really, rather absurdly amused by the pointing elf because it's just like yeah, what. What is he pointing He's standing at? at the front door pointing out the obvious path. Like, <laughs> go that way. You know. And so they came up our driveway. <laughs> right, exactly. Or like, you know, yeah, just get, keep story, going yeah. straight. You can't miss it. I mean, like what <laughs> I really don't know what he's trying to do, it does, but it does less look look less gloomy than other parts of the forest. Yes. And I was thinking, Dave, this rem- you know, thinking of our riddle back a while ago about is there going to be any physical demarcation between um, the, I think we have our answer. This looks nothing like, uh, you know, that, that picture of blasted woodland where I thought Tom Bombadil was hanging out. This looks nothing like that. <laughs> um, so I like, I like yeah. Legolas's do. I want to, I want to get my, I want to see if I can do my hair like yeah, that. This is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Time off, now, that had to be Whoa. this. Has to be the tomb the, of the Nazgul, the, right? The tomb? Yeah. Yes. It's the only, yes. And it's and the only time we see it in the whole trailer. And there's yeah, the broken seen, gates. Yeah, we've seen this scene before. Or at least right. I, I haven't seen it, but I've heard it described. You know, where they come and they see like, oh, it's broken open from the inside, right? Right. Oh, maybe you haven't seen it. Wasn't it in the behind-the-scenes yeah. footage? Oh, yes, the, yes. It was in the preview footage from the DVD. I mean, you know, the, I mean, right. the live stream that we did. Yeah, 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 but yeah. But yeah, has got right. it in her, her thing, too. That's right, that's right. Yeah, and they're looking down. They're actually looking down, so there's like nine levels mm-hmm. or whatever. It's a really weird tomb, of, but, you know, it's all good. Yeah, I, you this know. I see the tombs are broken out from the inside. Right, yeah. Right. So this Where is, is this? Rudauer, they the said. Cells. Which is like up in Arnor, but whatever. Not worried. Not. I am so not going to worry about geography. It doesn't matter. We can cross the Misty Mountains at will. It really doesn't matter. It's got. They have to have it at Dolgoldor. I wonder if it's been moved. Yeah, because it's Radagast with Gandalf, right? Is Radagast? Well, talks about it being in the High Fells, but I don't, you know, she does, so she specifically said in the Council of Elrond, I'm not the Council of Elrond, the White Council meeting, yeah. the High Fells, which to me meant, you know, that she's talking about a place that's different from Dog Wilder when she says that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why, why identify yeah. something as different? But maybe it's east of the mountains in this, in this movie. I, get, I, I will I, say that if they buried the, if they buried the Nazgul at Dol Guldur, Seems like a poor choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were thinking of just burying them in Baradur or something because we couldn't actually find... We're take uh, them all the way back to Mordor. Exactly, yeah. We were going to do that, and some people voted for going and trying to do, like, to discover, uh, you know, uh, Thangoradrim, but whatever. We just decided we'd find the other most evil place we could find and bury them here because that seems logical. Yeah. Also, a place where we can't keep an eye on them. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Any place totally inaccessible would do, but, uh, you know, we'll see. This actually, actually kind of seems like par for the course for Middle Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so, okay, where are we here? Now, these are elves. Ooh, that guy's in trouble. Is yeah. this the top of the cave? Is this the guy's top of the, the Elven King's Hall? I think we're at the. 
people are assuming, yeah, it's the Elven King's Hall, and the this, Azog and his henchmen are, are invading. This looks like the place where Saruman's, um, uh, Saruman's um, goblin men attack the Fellowship at the end of Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, and can I just say, can I just say, like, you know, I, I'm not an expert on battle tactics, but if you're an archer on a wall, the best place to be looking and aiming is over the wall. <laughs> Not at the floor not inside the your like you should probably not stand with your back to the wall that you're defending. Just as a Isn't general he being tip. Tackled by somebody? He's about to be he's tackled, but he's tackled. not yet and he wouldn't be tackled if he were looking oh, where the enemy was, was coming from. Well, well what's going on to the left there? Is that Who's somebody in? tackling another elf? Yes, this is another goblin and another elf here. So one is already okay. being tackled. What is he aiming at? I, I really, I don't know. But this tree was making a funny move or something, and he's got it covered, man. <laughs> like, if that tree twitches again, it is a goner, because this guy's going to take it out. Uh, but unfortunately... Don't, don't think I won't kill you, <laughs> Yeah, don't think I won't kill you, tree. Uh, but unfortunately, unbeknownst to him, this tree was just running interference for this goblin who was, uh, you know, was just waiting to pounce on him. I'm not sure if this is actually connected to the... I mean, this does seem to be... I mean, I, I think these must be elves. I don't see who else they could be. Um, could there be a yeah. space between... I mean, could there be like a, you know, a space between the tree and the, whatever it is he's standing on so he's actually aiming it or, at something could this like be, below him? Could this be the... Yeah, is that an orb right over the... Yeah. It's it's is possible. This, it's, it's, it's possible they, that this guy's not quite as clueless as he looks, but... Uh, uh, but, but certainly, I wonder if it's your an narrative. Could it, could it be an outpost and an outlook? You know, I think I, th th that's actually my vote because I don't think, for two reasons, I don't think Azog is going to be attacking the halls of the Elven King. For one, that's going to if 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 the hall of the Elven King is under assault by orcs, it's going to be a little awkward for him to actually take his army to the Lonely Mountain. Um, secondly. Uh, Azog was never going around with a huge, I mean, maybe he's called up reinforcements or, you know, they've created a bunch of Zomborks or I don't know, but, um, but it seems like this is, this seems to me likelier to be Azog and his comparatively small band of, of orc hunters attacking an outpost, um, as they're trying to find or whatever. I don't know exactly what Azog, well, I know what his goal is, but, um, uh, what his plan is, I'm not really quite sure, but but I, I would for that reason I would expect I think, this I just think, to be an outpost. Well, and I think that fits. Doesn't Thranduil in the big speech that he gave in the in the live stream that you guys that saw it? Doesn't he complain to Thorin from his? You know, he's lounging up in his in his throne, and he doesn't he complain to Thorin that you brought orcs to my doorstep, or you've. You know he's mad because they've they've attracted orcs into his realm, kind of thing. Doesn't he say something like I don't that? Remember that? Oh, makes sense I though, and it certainly Korea? would. I know it does. It, it certainly would be a logical expansion on the Elven King's anger about them stirring up the spiders uh, in the book. Um, right. Again, with that same idea of you and have Zomborks. you have brought evil you upon us. How, how upset he'd be about Zomborgs? Well, I know exactly. <laughs> I mean, if the spiders bother him. Okay. Speaking of spiders, that spider looks awesome. The spiders in film one mm -hmm. that were attacking Radagast's house looked pretty bad. This spider looks really quite awesome, I thought. Yep. 
Um, and, you know, and I think but, but this, this is, is another one of those scenes, though. It's put the ring put on. The put the ring on. Exactly. Don't hide behind the tree. Get invisible, you doofus. <laughs> he, does he I wanted like to say. Does he look like he's scared and hiding, or does he look like he's yeah. stealing himself to attack? Uh, uh, both. Both. Well, you know, I wanted to say, isn't this a great example of what a great actor Martin Freeman is with his face? He doesn't need to say anything. But you, you just read exactly what's going on on his face. Well, oh, it's exactly. true. Yeah. It, it looks like he's true. he's hiding and he's trying to decide what to do. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Yeah. Kay thinks he just woke up. Yeah. It looks like he's possibly hung over. But no, no, I agree. I'm 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 teasing now. But um, uh, yeah. Sharon says I can just hear uh, you know a little adder cop Tom Naughty here. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he's getting ready to burst out. Trying to remember the words. <laughs> I am. I, I will give. I will give Peter Jackson a gold star if the word Tom Naughty is uttered by anyone at any point in this film. I. I, I am just. I'm not picky. Yes. What if it's. What if it's uttered in verse? Hey, I'd, I'd three gold stars if it is uttered three in verse. Three gold stars. Absolutely. <laughs> Tony says I will throw money at the screen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If 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 there is an actual sung song that contains the word Adderkop and Tom Naughty, even if they alter it, uh, I you know I am. Uh, it's the closing song. Yeah, I would be perfectly happy. That actually looks accurate. This is the secret door opening. Size-wise, my first response when I looked at it, I'm like, wow, that looks really small. But actually, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, It's a little short. Five feet high the door and three may walk abreast. Three feet wide. Yeah. Um... But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think... You can't count Bomber. I guess you'd have to count Bomber as two. Right, yeah, exactly. Maybe it's like (laughs) 1.5 Bombers could walk abreast. Beast. Yes. (laughs) You'll destroy us all. Okay. Um, So Will Turner is against going, uh, trying for the mountain. Apparently. Yes, Will Turner making an impassioned... He is. But remember, Dave, trailers can be misleading. That's it's true. It's true. Yeah, Trish and I were talking about this earlier because our latest digest, we discussed this. Yeah, and we did. I did say I was the only one who said he'd be openly against them. I just wanted to toot yeah. my own horn there. And yeah. Trish said, well... He, he still could change his mind, so we'll see. Yeah. I think, they, so I think they've edited the trailer. I think what he was actually saying is you won't get us all killed. <laughs> 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 and let me and let me help you. What do you need? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is a good shot of the. But I think that would be yeah. great. So let me help you every way I can. Yeah, ben, Ben's right. We have to be careful. Right. Trailers can be misleading. This might not actually be what's right. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, 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 for the record, Sarah would like to point out that his nose looks totally different from Will Turner. Will Turner's nose, yeah. um, and I agree. But um, it's the it's the it's the facial hair I think that says Will Turner. And the, between that and the and the and the hairstyle, um, 
But really, my question is... I walking up to him and saying, I can see Legos walking up and saying, have we met somewhere before? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, though, no. though, obviously, he's missing the, an opportunity because he's not wearing one of these awesome hats. <laughs> wearing the awesome yes. helmet. Those are great. Those I mean, are fantastic. Absolutely excellent helmet. They're clearly designed as a defensive weapon. You just form a tight phalanx and all lower <laughs> your heads at the charging enemy. <laughs> Uh, and that would be quite remarkable. Do those look somehow like they're optimized to defend you against dragons? Uh, Not really. There's really no difference. Really, yeah, to it's hard to imagine. Look, a, a, they look very ceremonial. Yeah. They, they, they look very ceremonial, but not very functional. Not very practical. Well, practical in the sense that they seem to be fur-lined, so that's practical. <laughs> they're warm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I uh, mean, they're kind of like the Swiss Guard, you know. It, it, it's for show. It, you know, do you think that'll tie in with the master of Lake Town? He's got a lot of stuff for show. Probably. But, you know. Probably. I mean, Bard, Bard here looks like, you know, he means business. He could he could actually do something to defend the town, whereas these guys just look like, you know, yes, they look true. in a parade, and that's about it. Yeah. These, yeah. Look like the, these look like the master's idea of a defense against the dragon. Exactly. Here, right. Hey, people, thinking, yep. people. Wear it, put this helmet on, you'll be safe. <laughs> exactly. This, By the way, these helmets it only cost 10. This is how he made his fortune. He was selling these on the infomercials. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and we do and have this. I, I don't need this. I don't need the stinking hat. <laughs> that's how you can tell he's a rebel. One question that's really open in my mind here is to what extent we are to understand Bard to be speaking on behalf of the people. I mean, he's clearly... Cons it, it's interesting, by the way, that Bard seems to be worried about the people. Um, one of the questions we had when we were talking about Bard was, was he going to be a kind of a Robin Hood figure? Was he, was he going to be a, you know, a loner, rebel kind of figure who's... Zorro! Yeah, who's sort of Zorro. separated from his society. He seems to be... It's serving as a, at least as sort of an unofficial spokesperson for the people of Lake Town here. Um, That's true. And not just well, thinking or, of himself. Or just the voice of common sense. Right. You know, what's going on with the master of Lake Town is obviously not common sense. Yeah. Tony does point out, of course, he is said to be always, uh, you know, uh, speaking doom. You know, he is the grim voiced man who is always prophesying floods and poison fish in the book. Um so the fact that he would have a, a, a kind of a, you know, downer view on things is certainly in keeping with his character in the book. Um, but uh, so, yeah, certainly you would not expect Bard from the book to be giving them an enthusiastic pep talk as they depart. Um, so so that's a good question. So, so I guess the question is, is he is he speaking on the behalf of the people here or is he, did he barge into sort of a, is this sort of the part where the people are singing about how the rivers are going to be flowing with gold because the king under the mountains back and, and, and uh, he crashed the party and he's uh, the, you know, he's the guy that's being the, he's raining on everyone's parades. So right. Far. Which uh, is also what happens yep. in the book. I mean, it's, it's interesting because in the book, you know, in Lake town, you've got like three factions. There's the master, there's Bard and there's everybody else. And everybody else is just completely intoxicated by the idea, but you know, by the legends of the gold, and 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 they're like going around singing more or less brainless songs, um, and and I mean brainless because when they see the glow of the dragon fire, you know, they start saying, "Look, gold! The king is forging gold, and it's coming down the river to us." I mean, like, how stupid do you have to get to think that that's what's actually happening? Um, so the people are pretty dumb. 
And there are only the two dissenting voices within Lake Town, not counting Bilbo. There are the two dissenting voices from that. One is Bard and one is the Master. But their perspectives are very different. The Master is cynical. Bard is not cynical. And, of course, we see him responding, uh, you know, bravely, very obviously very differently from the Master when push comes to shove. But, but yeah, so having him be... Um, Having everybody else, like maybe this guy who looks like a Monty Python extra in the background, um, you know, maybe he's like one of the, maybe he was just like, you know, cutting a caper uh, uh, and celebrating and then, you know, Mr. like uh, doom and gloom realism comes in and yeah, yeah, Captain Buzzkill comes in and says, yeah, that's not going to be. Um, yeah, he's not known as Bard the moment until after he kills the dragon. (laughs) Yes, exactly. He's Bard the Buzzkill until then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, ooh, Alyssa says maybe that's the symbolic function of the snow. Uh, is he, it's not raining on their parade; it's snowing on their parade. Um, there you go. Yeah, both Wesley and Philip have said at the same time, and I agree. <laughs> it totally looks like I was. I was absolutely thinking of the guy who says that he's not dead yet uh, in the Holy Grail. That's what. That's absolutely who that guy looks like to me. <laughs> You're not fooling anyone, you know. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I could easily see that. Though what the guards are doing in their pointy hats standing around um, is still unclear to me. Um, but uh will be interesting to see how Stephen Fry features, uh, you know, figures into this equation here. Oh, oh yeah, Tony, Tony, Tony reminds us that Bilbo has a cold when he's in Lake Town. I wonder if he's going to have a cold. Oh, yeah, in yeah I, I will be. I, if Again, see... He could make us happy so easily, right? I mean, Bilbo just has to like yeah. sniffle and sneeze once, and we'll 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 like be you know melting into little puddles of joy. So, um, and just give us a glimpse of a doll. Yeah. Oh yes, Yana was pointing yes, out that he says Yana. he says I'm the only one. Am I the only one very disappointed about the complete lack of dolls in this trailer? <laughs> Absolutely uh, not. I- Yes. I told him Sharon is also voice disappointment, yes. Yeah. Well, but, you know, it is just a two-minute trailer, Yana. There's still hope. I'm not going to let go. It's possible. We can still hold out hope for that. Um, <laughs> Sharon points out that will Bilbo have a cold is, would be an excellent conundrum question. Okay, yes. well, now... now I was going to tell, yes. tell Laura. I was thinking yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Now we, <laughs> now we come into right. the rapid uh, shift of quick action scenes portion of the trailer. So we've got Gandalf and being attacked by the hobo. Being attacked by the yeah, whoever that guy was <laughs> that we saw back in the trailer, the original trailer. Then we've got Legos hitting somebody, and Toriel not hitting somebody, and Bilbo. Where is he? I don't know. Uh, maybe he's jumped in to follow he- the barrels. Yeah, that's, that's what it looks like. Brianna said she thought it was after the barrels got released well, and then he jumped in. Isn't there, yeah. there's a picture of Bilbo holding on to Keeley at one, Keeley's barrel later, at one point. Yeah. So, so maybe he he's just holding on to fast. barrels the whole time. Yeah, 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 perhaps so. Okay, the boot picture, I gotta, like, I can't look at anything other than the toe of this dude's boot. And I don't understand the point of this shot in the trailer at all. Um... What on earth is happening here? Why did we get the stomping of this one particular boot? <laughs> He's catching the, the key. key. The key. The is that key the key? Is, is okay. falling over the edge of the cliff. The key? And I think God. that's Thorne's foot. It's falling over the edge of the cliff. 
Why is Thorin dropping the key over the edge of the cliff? <laughs> Are we going to turn the opening of the well, door into an action I, sequence? I know, but, but I got to be honest it with you. It slipped out of his hand. I'm having trouble worrying about the, the key now that I've seen this shot. What the heck is <laughs> Okay. <laughs> is that a rope? That's, that's another thing of the ride at uh, a, Hobbit Land. There's a dwarf flying through the air. Just when you thought it was improbable for the barrels to float upright down the river. (laughs) Now we have the barrels actually assuming the power of flight. And who is that? That's not Bomber. No, that's not Bomber because Bomber doesn't have an axe. And doesn't the orc look like he's on a line? Yeah, he is. That's not Azog, right? It's an arrow. Somebody said it's an arrow. Not a a line. Yes, I think it is an arrow. But has the dwarf... See, there's the key. See it? Yeah, I did see it. Okay, there's the axe. Oh, okay. So... Okay, yeah, that is an arrow. That's an arrow, clearly. That doesn't look like Bomber. This is Bomber. That looks like Bomber's braid. And that's clearly an orc weapon, not his weapon. Oh, okay. So So I think that's Bomber. This is... Is grabbing the orc's weapon? While they're flying... Oh, it's an arrow. Okay, yes. Yeah. That's, right. That's a better picture. Uh, How would the orc even get there to be shot? <laughs> and, and what launched the barrel? I don't understand. I am being terribly inhibited by my understanding of physics. I just... It's like speed, Corey. Yeah. I, I'm, just, I'm just... Okay, I'm going to have to move on. I can't... Even yeah, just, make anything just of an this. Action shot. Okay. I think we can rest, rest assured. Doesn't this have is to make sense. Okay. This is, this is confirmation that there there will be elves, orcs, and barrel dwarves. Uh, right. Involved right. In the yes. Escape. Yeah. No, you're you're right. That that. that <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Please let us cling to this one fact that we can take out of this, and that is (laughs) that fact that we clearly have all three races interacting together um, in this during the barrel episode. Now his barrel, which is being used somehow, has been launched from something uh, into a party of goblins. This is what, and it doesn't look like. Doesn't look like they're in Mirkwood anymore, really. Does no, it? this I mean, is the edges. Like this is clearly like the show. Yeah. That's the, there's the lake right here. Yep. Yep. So, so Tariel and Legolas must have dispatched all the orcs. Well, they they Perhaps. chucked they chucked the barrel containing <laughs> Bomber at them, <laughs> which, yes. uh, assuming you can make that, that happen, it. has that's got that's to be. Beyond dwarf tossing and dwarf barreling to stuffing dwarves in barrels and then tossing them in the barrel. It's like bowling. This is how bowling, remember how golf got invented? This is how bowling got invented. Yes, it's the invention of bowling. Um, Wow. I, yeah, okay. That's incredible. But now we have Legolas with his uh, patented... Point. Shooting, this is... a, shooting, shooting an orc with an arrow from two feet away. Yes, uh, and and this uh, uh, orc has the decency to uh, stand still for long enough to let him do it too. Um, but 
Okay, so we have a. We're definitely not. This is definitely not just uh, 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 Lego Centurio on their own. We get several uh, elves involved in this conflict. Look at this in the background here. Does not look like the outpost. Ah. Yeah, it does. That Azog was attacking. It could be the door to the to the hall itself. It's it's possible. Well, but, but the it, land it's doesn't not, fall off like that. And it's not wooded enough. This is too open. Yeah, that's true. Plus, if this is anywhere in the vicinity of the dwarf launching, it's got to be closer to the shores of the lake than that. By the way, you notice that Legolas doesn't have his armor on here, so I wonder if this is an earlier scene, like when they realize there's orcs around, then later he puts his armor on. Oh, yeah, possibly. This this is actually in Holland. They just, you know, they they ran over (laughs) the rest of the mountains. It took them 15 minutes, and they engaged in battle there. In Holland, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Nothing, I suppose, could be likelier. Okay, so, and then we have uh, Torio, whatever else you might say about Torio, her vertical leap is pretty impressive. I mean, that was pretty good. Um, yep, that's going to be great in 3D. Yeah. So is so is the hobo too. Yeah, well, though he's jumping off of something, she's jumping yeah. downhill. Truly, but still, I mean, you know, she got some air. Yeah, Torio. Uh, unlike that ball. dude in the Spurs, Torio could dunk over LeBron James. It's perfectly clear. Um, <laughs> then we've got. Okay. This is presumably the same dude with whom Gandalf is fighting in the other earlier scene. I love this. I love this still. This still is perfect. <laughs> yeah, this is excellent. Um, my subtitle for this would be <laughs> a failed suicide attempt. <laughs> I mean, ser- seriously, what? I mean. <sighs> Where was he? I mean, like, on that platform. I mean, is this, is this a diving platform up here? Definitely the worst prison ever. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I... So he's, I so he's at Goggles or but he's not a we prisoner. We speculated as to why Thryon was even outside to begin with. Right, exactly. What do they give him, like, you know, does he just have, like, he just, he just run around, around I guess. I love this. Wilfred has my favorite theory ever. It's one of the blue wizards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who are yeah yeah who are coming back to 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 get back at Gandalf for not remembering their names? Um, and this is Dal Guldur, right? I mean, I I would definitely say that it is with the trees growing around the rock and that kind of thing. It's definitely. I mean, it's got to be Mirkwood, right? I mean, because of that. So yeah. that is, we're not often wherever. At whatever improbable distance they are uh, to discover the tomb of the Nazgul. So, yeah, this has got to be. Well, you know, Pete, Pete says, like Huron, like Huron, Sauron was finished with Thryon, he let him go. I want to remind you that I believe mm. Corey did guess that, right? Wasn't that your thing with Thryon, that he's actually living in Mirkwood? I, I am I am standing by that I prediction. Believe- yes, Thryon is crazy hermit who's been living on his own and free in the wilderness ever since the Battle of Hazanul Bazaar. Absolutely. So this is him because he also has decided to stage a crazy solo attack on Dol Guldur at the same time and is fighting Gandalf off. Be- uh, that, that's totally, 
Absolutely. Now, by the way, this is not Orchrist. Oh, okay. I was, like I, a, that's exactly what I was going to yeah, ask you. I think this is this is just like a, a bomber um, in midair in barrel was clearly wielding. Uh, had his hand on a goblin axe. They've clearly been seizing these weapons. Because remember, they've just escaped from the elves, so they don't have any weapons. So, um... So Keely, Keely <laughs> took, a, took a bow and an arrow from an elf, I guess. No, this is a goblin bow. And he's, it, oh, is it a goblin he's bow? also having the time of his life. Ah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's clearly only one person who's enjoying this trip. Uh, and there's no question about which one. And there's Bilbo clinging on to... to to, to Kiwi's and, barrel. And um, Ori is lost. Is it Ori has lost his star hairdo? It looks like. No, this is the Ori is. The, it's Nori with the star hairdo. Oh, Nori with our okay star. I hairdo. think this is th- that looks like Ori, though the nose is a little odd. Um, I mean, even odd by the standards of the dwarves in this film. Um, so yeah, so that so that's not Orcus. So it looks like, or- but this this is still Thorin, but it's not Orcus that he's wielding. <laughs> Was that an earthquake? That, my lad, was a dragon. <laughs> Dramatic pause. Yeah. Balin knows how to deliver a line, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Balin is, uh, Balin is, I, I, I love Balin. I am, you know, and I, I had said, I remember being, I remember being asked this question, you know, which character in the book do I most hope they do a good job with? And I said Balin, uh, and I got to say I'm pleased. I like Balin in the film a lot. I think they, I think they did, uh, I think they did very well. Um, okay. Uh, All right. And now the last scene. Now, the question is, how do you recover from this? I know. <laughs> like, okay, just, we, we put ourselves into Bilbo's position here. What are your options exactly at this point? Put um, on the ring. <laughs> well, that being the option which apparently he's decided to forego. Um, and at this point, it's too late. Yeah. He knows the general vicinity of you. Yes. Um, uh and, um, yeah, uh, but, you know, I mean, this addresses, as does that shot of him hiding behind the tree as the spider climbs up the other side, addresses one of the questions that we've had from the beginning. Um, indeed, one of the things that I mentioned, like, way back in 2007, when this movie was only a very distant rumor, in my very first Hobbit lecture ever, um, when I recorded it originally, which is how are you going to do all of these long sequences in the in the book when he's wearing the ring, um, and uh, you know the uh, the answer seems to be he's clearly going to wear the ring much less of the time. Now, is this the conversation? Are we going to actually have him talking face to face with Smaug and then escape? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I mean, I mean wow. Yeah. You know, Ben says um, it's a visual way to emphasize how weak dragons are to flattery. That is, if Bilbo is actually able to distract him enough through their conversation, it certainly would play up that element to it. And presumably this is prior to the mad slide down the 
uh, pile of treasure that we get, you know, earlier that we got earlier in the trailer. But um, it's just this. This does seem to kind of strain belief. Several people, several people have theorized that maybe they haven't added the special effect yet. But the only special effect this could be is we don't see Bilbo. Yeah, because the cameras <laughs> were outside of Bilbo, so. And it looks like a really expensive way to film this scene. Let's film it. Looks like the uh, the (laughs) it looks like the dragon's looking at Bilbo too because he kind of squints his eye at him a little. Yeah, and you've got the you've got the light actually radiating from his eye, and you can see that light, like the spotlight of his eye, which, by the way, I take as a reference to the Rankin Bass film. Um, I know, I know. I mean, I think, and we've we've seen Peter Jackson make deliberate allusions. Uh, to the Rankin Bass film and to uh, to the to, to the Bakshi films um, in his in both the Lord of the Rings film and in the Hobbit film, and I actually do take the beam of light projected from Smaug's eye here, which doesn't look uh, a hundredth as dorky as it does in the Rankin Bass version, but uh, but I do take that as as a as a as a reference. But you know, I I, I don't buy it. I do not at all buy the fact that um, that the actual scene in the film is going to look nothing like this. I don't think with the positioning of this shot, you know, maybe you could convince me of that with one of those small little shots that we got for half a second through the middle of it. But this culminating scene that we linger on for this long and which is obviously one of the scenes that Jackson's got to know that, you know, if there's one scene in the second film that everybody's looking forward to, it's got to be the conversation with Smaug, right? I mean, clearly that's got to be number one on millions of people's lists. I cannot imagine that he would give us this scene in the trailer, would build up to this scene in the trailer the way that he does, and then have it look nothing like this in the film. I just can't believe that that would happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and Hans, I agree, Hans is also pointing out that it's also, that the beam of light is also reminiscent, of course, of the Eye of Mordor and the Return of the King. Um, yes, yes, I agree. No, there's the, the parallel there, which of course was already suggested by that final um, final sight in uh, in film one, being the opening of his eye, looking looking rather smog like. Uh, well, sorry, looking rather Sauron like uh, at the very end of the first film. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yep. So. Oh my god, we got to the end. Look, we're not even that bad. It's only two hours and 20 minutes. Two hours and 20. See, we really picked up the pace there. I wasn't worried. I wasn't worried. (laughs) Anything else to say about this last last scene? Our post-Comic-Con last year was over three hours, so hey, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I will say one last thing here is I'm trying to figure out sort of the the chronology of his visit to Smaug. So, you know, we've seen him on the mountain of gold, which I assume is while before Smaug, like either wakes up or, you know, like Smaug's not looking for him at that point. And then I'm trying to figure out if this is during the same visit. Cause we've talked before about how many visits might there be. Yes. Would this be during the same visit or does he come back? So, I mean, I realize we can't answer those questions yet, but I was just, I was trying to connect this to the scene before where he's, he's sliding down the gold. Yeah, I mean, I would, because you're right, it's possible that the sliding down the gold, well, no, it couldn't be the sliding down, I mean, it could not be that the sliding down the gold scene is on a previous visit, because, of course, just to, to, to refresh people's memories, in the book, he goes down once and steals the cup while Smaug is asleep and having his dream. 
Um, he goes down the second time, and Smaug is pretending to be asleep, but but is alert, and Bilbo realizes this and stays in the doorway, never ventures, ventures close to the treasure, and they have their conversation from there. And then Bilbo, of course, departs in a hurry uh, with the flames licking around his back and his heels. Um, the third time he goes down is after Smaug... Uh, has departed. So when they're they're hiding in the in the mouth of the tunnel with the tunnel collapsed behind them, and they descend and go down uh, after hanging out in the tunnel for a long time. So the third time he goes down, and Smaug is already dead, though he doesn't know it yet. Um, so I wonder that's, what if they that, that's are a chronology in the book. The first two, the first two visits, you know, yeah. he comes well, yeah. he comes down. Smog he thinks Smog is asleep. And so he comes out without his ring on, and then Smog wakes up and kind of catches him. Actually, and they have a they have a conversation, and then Bilbo runs out of I, there and slides down the gold. Runs I think they'll cut out the, the stealing of the cup. I think that's very think likely. So? Yeah, I, I yeah. think the whole. I, I think I think I think they're gonna. I think the way that they've evolved his story arc. I think the burglar thing is not that important. You know what I mean? Like like throughout the book, he's constantly trying to prove himself as a burglar I, I feel like that's just not that important in this but he will take the Arkenstone at some point yeah I wonder oh, yeah, if he'll yeah. take the Arkenstone sooner rather than later because it's after smog is dead in the book he takes the Arkenstone yeah they'll have him find the Arkenstone um, much earlier it's possible it. though um, well I, it's hard because I mean with with the uh, very very great, you know, very significant extra weight that they seem to be giving to the Arkenstone. Um, it's, it, it would invest that theft with so much more significance. I still, <clears throat> I still believe it's going to happen, Bilbo's theft of the Arkenstone. But I would think it would be kind of anti-climax if they really are going to build up the Arkenstone as the thing which in some sense confers lordship upon Thorin. Um, to have the dragon still be alive and Bilbo be, you know, and, and, and to have be, hey, look, uh, I, I have secured the kingship of, of the mountain already, though Smaug is still alive, would seem a little bit strange. Well, I, don't, I don't think he would show, I think he would hide it. Right. I don't think he right. would show them. He'd take it and. Right. But even just does, to have it does Bilbo, himself. Does Bilbo even know what the Arkenstone is? Um, at this point? He's we haven't he hasn't been told about it on screen, but he still might uh but he still might not be. Um Yana says the cup the golden cup will probably be replaced by the doll uh from Dale. <laughs> That's what he'll steal on the first visit. One can only hope. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um but no, I, I but I agree about the um I agree about the general comment Dave, that you made about burglary um, and its comparative de-emphasis in the film, which of course goes along with the fact that the book emphasizes the burglary more because it's about the gold. And that was the whole point of hiring a burglar, um, was to go in and steal gold. That's his job. That's what a burglar does. Um, so when you de-emphasize the gold, de-emphasizing the burgling also seems quite logical. Um, um, and I agree, it's not been a major part of his character arc, though it was emphasized enough. Because um, remember, it is emphasized both not only at the beginning with the contract and everything, but also later on 
um, uh, at the troll scene, where, of course, in the book, his, you know, burglarious activities are, are heavily emphasized. Um, but even in the film, remember, there's that, you know, at Fiwi and Kiwi are talking about, you know, having the burglar go to investigate the trolls um, when they see them. Mm-hmm. So it does get referred to again. We, we we don't totally forget about it and leave it behind. But I think, isn't that the last reference to burglary of any kind so, in the first film? I think so. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I certainly do agree that it, uh, that it um, is strongly de-emphasized in the film. So I agree. For that reason, it would make perfect sense to exclude the Golden Cup. Um, and I, yeah. I, nothing could be more plausible than to than to contract the two visits um, down to the horde. Uh, so, so one so one thought um, about Bill, about the Bilbo's appearance thing. On the one hand, I I'm very persuaded by Ben's point that the, that the scene might actually be that I could see the scene maybe even working better if Smog can see him mm-hmm. and he just sort of. He just doesn't kill him, or maybe you try it right at the end. Bilbo figures out how to escape or something. Because I, I guess, truth be told, even when he was invisible, it probably wouldn't have been that hard for Smog to kill him. Well, it wasn't because his his sense of smell is excellent and his yeah. sense of hearing is very acute. Um, so he's already beginning to pinpoint where Bilbo is, and that's why when Bilbo runs away at the end of the conversation in the book. Um, Smaug knows where he's going and, you know, puts his mouth to the hole and breathes fire up the tunnel. Um, so he does, he can tell where Bilbo is. Um, and also, you know, when you think about it, um, it's not like Smaug is going to be threatened, right? Um, he's got Bilbo trapped here. One could easily imagine Smaug, especially with the personality he has in the book, deciding to toy with uh, the thief first and have a conversation with him and then have Bilbo put on the ring as a surprise. Stay right there. Stay, 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 stay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because he wants to determine, he wants to determine where Bilbo came from and what his motives are in being there. So, right. Exactly. Um, so I do think, um, uh, but yes, Sharon, I was thinking the same thing. Sharon says, it's important that Smaug does not know what a hobbit is and might be curious. Remember, there's that all that emphasis in uh, in The Hobbit and much more emphasis in The Quest of Erebor about how hobbit smell is going to be foreign to Smaug and he's going to be confused and curious um, if he smells a hobbit um, because he won't have any idea what it is. Um, and so you can certainly, um, you can certainly see that being expanded. Smaug's reaction to seeing this guy standing on his treasure would not necessarily be, I must kill you instantly, but rather simply, um, who are you? What are you? What are you doing? What do you think you're doing? Um, you know, what's happening here? Let me, let me figure out this stuff, figure out whom you're in league with, um, and also have some fun by, uh, you know, torturing you. Um, so, you know, that's, um, uh, that's seems to me very plausible that they could have this conversation face to face. He's just got to be able to escape. And presumably the ring features in there, though, again, he's not invisible as he's sliding down the gold earlier in the trailer. I gotta tell you, I think this 
this scene between Smaug and Bilbo is just going to be awesome. It's going to be as awesome as the as the Riddles in the Dark in the first movie. I hope or so. Or maybe even more awesome. I hope so. Well, I mean, they did do such a good job with the Riddles in the Dark exchange. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis yeah. did such a great job. I I really am hoping for good things from uh, Martin Freeman, Martin Freeman, and Benedict Cumberbatch here. So, Corey, can you comment on? Uh... Um, Smog's appearance and apparent size. He seems really huge. Size is large. That's larger than I would have expected. Yeah. Though not larger than... I mean, if you think of him coming through the gates of Erebor and squashing dwarves underfoot in film one, it's consistent with that. The scale is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking more more book. like Yeah. It's hard to, I mean, an, a creature like this being slain by an arrow. Um, it's a special arrow. Um, <laughs> and, and it does, I mean, in the book it does describe the arrow as going into his chest, you know, barb, shaft, and feather. Um, so it's not like, you know, we're supposed to imagine a small dragon with an arrow you know, sticking all the way through him and out the other side or something like that. I mean, it's the arrow disappears inside the large body of the dragon. Um, so It doesn't have to be big if it hits the right spot, right? Right, exactly. And if it disappears all the way inside, then, he, yeah. I thought smog would be a little less, a little, I don't know, better looking, I guess. Not so... I can't really describe it, but he's not very sleek. Yeah, I agree. He looks very prehistoric. He is a little, he is kind yeah, of. Yeah, almost like a dinosaur. Yeah. He, he does not look like the T-Rex thing, the fake T-Rex thing from the behind the scenes <laughs> uh, uh, footage. But, That's right. But he, does, but he looks reminiscent of that a little bit. He's got a huge head. Yeah, I was kind of hoping more like the dragon in Merlin. I kind of like him, though. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, clearly Peter Jackson is being coy. By releasing this scene again, because although we finally see the head of Smaug, we're still seeing it in shadow except for his eye. Um, so it's a little hard to tell from the lighting in this scene what he would look like in, in, in full light. Um, I agree, Laura, the impression that... You, I, right, like This shot that I've frozen it at right here makes him look like some kind of deep sea fish. Um you know, like probably that like scuttles around the bottom of a coral reef. Um, and that look doesn't really do it for me. I agree. Something more sleek, uh, and sort of svelte looking, um, because he's vain, right? And like anybody, anybody as ugly as that, like being vain is just absurd. Um, I would have actually expected him to be more beautiful. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what I thought too. Yeah, yes, yeah. But, the but uh, he's scarier. He's scarier this way. Yeah. He's not the golden because he has uh, all of those gems on his belly, right? Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how they do that. Actually, yeah. Um, because the gems for a dragon this size, those gems would have to be freaking huge. To be wedged in of, among his scale. That are a lot of gems. that are very very <laughs> numerous. Yes, um, yeah. and Sam I, Sam said he did look sleeker in the previous close up. I agree. Uh, it is partially that sight of 
you know, the bit of him that it, that emerged around his eye at the end of the first film, um, which led me to expect something less bumpy <laughs> than this dragon. <laughs> uh, but... Less barnacles. Yes, yes, uh, yes. You know, thanks a lot, Corey. Now I look at him, all I can see is a deep sea fish. Yeah. <laughs> angler thing on his exactly head. yeah you just just put a little thing off his nose here with a little glowy bit at the end smog the bumpy smog the bumpy angler fish that's exactly it um yeah um so we'll see it looks pretty cool, though. we'll see yeah I, I i mean i i'm still but but again, I said it's it's also clear, as I say, that Jackson is still being coy, and this is like the reveal that is not yet the full reveal of what the dragon looks right, like. So right. it's true, yeah. I, could, I could still tinker with him. Also, honestly, I'm not that obsessed about what he looks like. Yeah, I actually I think that his voice and personality is going to matter much more to me. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah. <clears throat> and as long as he doesn't sound. Uh, as long as he doesn't sound like a backwoods version of Johnny Cash, like the voice of Smaug does in the Rankin Bass film, um, of all the annoying things in the Rankin Bass film, the voice of Smaug is to me one of the most annoying. Um, I mean, I can. Is that worse than the Elven King? In yes, that movie? worse than the Elven King with his mysterious German oh. accent. Worse than uh, you know, who looks like a frog and sounds German. Worse than his, worse even than Smaug's. Worse than his fur. Yeah, even worse than Smaug's like fuzzy kitten face and whiskers that he has for some completely unknown reason. Eyes. Worse than that is uh, is him speaking. I, oh, it's so annoying. Um, the way that he sounds like a hick, like an American hick. It's just, that is not at all. Anyway. Richard Boone, huh? Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Like, my apologies to Richard Boone, but, like, he should not have been cast uh, as the voice of Smaug. I am sorry. Yeah, but. That's a little weird. Anyway. Um, uh, that is. Um, uh, so yeah, so I I agree. More important to me than his appearance is is his voice and personality, um, and I certainly hope <clears throat> that we will get you know a um, a a an, an urbane and sophisticated and cunning dragon uh, from Smaug. So yeah, and that's it, right? Well, did that make you guys more December or less 13th? excited? I I really liked it. I thought it was a, a really good trailer. The, the visuals are really nice. You know, there's a lot of cool action scenes. Um, it. Uh, I I thought it was. I thought it was. Uh, and and visually, I think it looks. Trish said this too. It looks a little better than the first movie. Yeah, you know, I visually, I, I certainly agree. I couldn't grab it. I was just familiar. Oh god, she she took the smog picture and then drew an anglerfish thing on it. Oh, did yeah, she? She gave us a she gave us a she gave us a URL here. Let me put All right, it hang on. I'll, I'll see if I can. I'll, I'll I'll see if I can get it here. Hang on. 
Okay. Anyway, you were saying, Laura? Well, I, I liked what they did with Tariel, too. I, her yeah. character is interesting. She's intriguing. She's not just a romantic interest for somebody, which would have been awful. Um, I liked Thrand, Thranduil, whose name I can't pronounce. I liked uh, I, I liked his uh, his character more so than just in the still pictures I'd seen. Oh, very nice. That's really nice. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Though, though the the the, the little the little lure should be over, like tempting Bilbo over. You know, it should be a little bit over. <laughs> kind of like a Finding Nemo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. should have bubbles yeah. coming from from his mouth. Or Bilbo's <laughs> mouth. So, so my assessment from the trailer is the two sort of the two biggest or most, the two most obvious kind of places where they seem to be doing something very different. It's Dol Golder, uh, where we have no idea what they're doing. And then the, the barrel scene is like a complete change from the book. How do you guys feel about those, especially the barrel scene? Well, well the barrel scene, at least the barrel scene is in there. Um, that's right. So I don't know how they could have done it like it was in the book. But the Dol Golder, I mean, yeah, that is, I'm not really clear on what's, what's going on. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's much of a battle if it's just Gandalf and Radagast. There. Well, you know, I agree. That's one thing that, and we'll see, maybe we'll get, you know, cause we'll get other trailers and we'll see what they reveal. But judging on this trailer alone, there was not much Dal Guldur in this. I mean, a very small percentage yeah. of this trailer was Dal Guldur. Ba- maybe the battle's in the next movie. Well, oh, that God, was, no. That, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> And then, or, but well, don't forget, we oh. also haven't seen Stephen Fry yet, so the, the Battle of Dal Guldur could still be in this movie. They just haven't done a trailer for it. Yes. Or well, it seems the other like is maybe there's no battle. Maybe there's something. <laughs> maybe they cut the battle. Well, going to sneak in. They're going to catch Sauron. He's going to run away. Well, if Bilbo's <laughs> if Bilbo's already having his conversation with the dragon, and the next thing you know, the dragon is flying away, and and it has got to be killed very. Quickly, I'm sorry. That's a spoiler. Uh, in the third movie, <laughs> they killed the dragon. Oh, wait, right. the dragon dies. There's not that much left for them to do in the third movie, unless they're going to make up a whole bunch of stuff, except have like the Battle of Dol Guldur. Well, no, so they, 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 they could, they could make up stuff. I mean, I sort of, could. I've been maintaining all along that I think they're going to Harry Potter it and. The, uh, the 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 third film is going to be at least half Battle of Dol Guldur. Yeah, I expect or, the Battle of Dol Guldur, Battle of Five Armies. Battle of Five Armies. Yeah. 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 And and and, and at the latest, at the latest, they'll kill the dragon right at the start of it. Like I don't think he's going to last very long past this. No. Film. This is his film. No. no. And uh, and um, what's more, the whole the standoff the standoff at the Lonely Mountain. Um, is something that could be significantly expanded. Um, you know, the attempts at the 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 attempts at negotiation, and, as, and when I say expanded, I don't mean even added to. Um, it's just like if we get 
um, you know, discussions among, like, if, if we're going to get internal politics among the elves, you know, like, if we're going to get, you know, three ways between Thranduil and Toriel and Legolas about what they should or shouldn't do, and Toriel objecting, like, we should be helping them, not fighting against them or whatever, and... Um, and then, you know, Bard and the Master and their relationship with the elves and what's going on there. And then their negotiations with Thorin. And meanwhile, in the Lonely Mountain, Thorin is going increasingly crazy. And uh, and then Bilbo's going to sneak out and he's going to have... I mean, that stuff could take quite a bit of film time um, if they actually show us those things. So we've got, like, the political stuff leading up to the... Uh, the the abortive battle of three armies that almost happens between the dwarves and the elves and the humans, and then um, and then we get into the actual battle of five armies proper. So you know, especially if we add to that any kind of backstory on who the, like where the goblins come from, and we don't just have them pop up out of nowhere the way they do in the book. So I, I do think that the post death of Smaug segment of the story certainly is enough for a for a film, I, I mean, th that could certainly work. Um, but I could also see the Battle of Dol Guldur happening at the at the start of film three. You know, we'll see. But that was definitely a question in my mind uh, after watching this trailer. Though, as I say, we'll see what other trailers show. Um, I, uh, as I, as, you know, as I confessed before, yeah. I liked Toriel in this trailer a heck of a lot more than I expected to. Um, I th I'm I'm I am I am interested to see exactly where they go with that. I was glad that they cuz I was I was kind of worried, you know, and when we talked about Legolas in the context of discussing Thranduil and the Elven King's politics um a couple episodes ago, you know, having Legolas be the person who is sort of standing up to his father and I'm, I'm, I, I was then and still continue to be assuming that Thranduil is going to be largely a jerk through most of this. Um, and the question is, who's going to be the voice of non-jerkitude, uh, who's going to be contrary to Thranduil, um, assuming that there is such a voice? And uh, and we had been speculating maybe that's Legolas. Um, and if it's Toriel instead of Legolas, I actually like that better. Um, I... If they actually go against the whole, like, uh, massive, uh, you know, fan base for Legolas and everybody, like, Legolas being the hero of everybody who was under the age of 15 when they saw the Lord of the Rings films, you know, I mean, if they actually go counter to that whole wave and have Legolas be kind of a, like a genuine jerk in this film, that would be, I think, really bold and really cool. So, you know, so I'm interested in that whole in, in that whole plot. I'm interested in, in seeing how Toriel and Legolas, you know, fit and how they go with uh with with Thranduil. I like yeah, I think I think Toriel um you know, she seems to have Legolas's ear, if nothing else. And so perhaps she convinced it's him. Right. Yeah. The other thing, it, we didn't see Bolg, or were we not supposed to see Bolg right. in this film? Well, that's another, I was going to say that too, that's another character we haven't seen, and, and he, even more so than Stephen Fry, I mean, we don't even know if he's actually going to be in the movie now, right? Except, except for the fact that they've already made Bolg dolls, so I figured he must be in the movie someplace. Just think of what a collector's item those Bolg dolls will be someday <laughs> if he gets completely cut from the films. <laughs> I have the action figure of the non-character! That would be that's awesome. Right, that's right. 
It's like that Beatles album that they didn't end up using that became a huge collector's item. Exactly, exactly. Well, do you think the elves will kill Azog? Boy, that would be anticlimactic. Yeah, it would be. Uh, It would be. Except that I would think that they still want to go with the bulk avenging his father's death thing, you know, at the Battle of Five Armies. Especially if he, especially if they don't kill him personally, he just gets picked off by a stray arrow. Yeah, or a, or a dwarf barrel. A dwarf, barrel, exactly. I was thinking he like, you know, he crushed by bomber. Right. Maybe he's just gonna. Maybe he's just gonna suffer Power some kind bomber. of debilitating concussion after being hit by a barrel full of bomber, and uh, you know, will not actually be killed, but uh, you know, will be sidelined. Shows up at the Battle of Five Armies looking for the fat dwarf. Yeah, we'll have to go through neurological <laughs> screening first, and the doctors will have to clear him to participate oh. in the Battle of Five Armies, and it's going to be complicated. The other, but... the other thing about the third movie, too, is we have Diane to be, to be introduced. Yeah. And I mean, he can't just show up out of nowhere. I mean, there's got to be some backstory there, right? Yeah. Or, and, that, and again, see, that, 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 there's another plot line in the lead up to the Battle of Five Armies, you know, where you've got Diane being introduced, and, uh, and, and, and Roach the Raven, and him talking to both of them, right. and. You know, we, we there are a number of scenes which could very easily be done leading up to the conflict, you know, the uh, the handing over of the Arkenstone and the Descendant of Rats scene and uh, all of that stuff. Oh, okay. So there's Did definitely a lot of material there. a fourth there. movie. Yeah, exactly. A fourth <laughs> movie. You just can't possibly squeeze this whole book into three films. It's just, there's too much. <laughs> yeah um but no i i mean i i literally you know though i'm joking about it i literally cannot imagine azog not being present at the battle of five i mean unless we do get a vengeance thing but honestly i think it's too late for that um i would have yeah. expected thorin to kill azog at the at the end of film one had azog died at the end of film one i would have been all ready for you know for bog to come in and like you killed my father after you already dismembered my father uh, adding further insult to injury, um, but uh, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you dismembered and subsequently killed my father. Prepare to die. Um, but but it's 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 we're off of that plot now. I mean, even if they come in and manage to ambush them in the barrels. I, I, it's it's an anticlimactic moment for for Azog to die. That was too much of a build up in film one for him to be like to survive the whole arc of film one and then to be killed in a skirmish in the random in a random action sequence in the middle of film two. That can't happen. I don't believe it. I especially love the idea of him just sort of getting just you know just running along and then getting hit in the head with an arrow and just. Yeah, that'd be, I mean, way, that'd be way too Game of Thrones. After all yeah, exactly. The other thing I'm wondering is after this this chasing with the barrels, where do the orcs go? I mean, that's the other one for me. I mean, obviously Azog's not going to die, so you know where are they going to go? And is he going to regroup well, maybe, and not show up again until maybe the Battle of Five Armies? The, maybe this is the context for Legolas's comments about this isn't our fight. They they manage. They're yeah, chasing the dwarves. The orcs attack. Um, the elves end up fighting the orcs, and the conclusion is the elves manage to fight off the orcs and buy time for the dwarves to escape. And Legolas is like, what are we doing, guys? We just helped the dwarves escape. (laughs) This isn't our battle. Why are we doing this? We came out here to capture the dwarves, and here we were, (laughs) 
minding our own business, shooting arrows at dwarves in barrels, which seemed like good fun, and now all of a sudden we're involved in an all-out battle against orcs. What are we doing? Where did we lose our way? That's right. Yeah. When did we get away from what really makes us us? Cause. Exactly. Cause. <laughs> we're, yes. uh, we're elves, guys. We're not supposed to be killing orcs. We're supposed to be shooting at dwarves and barrels. <laughs> We've got to keep our eye on the long-term goal here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Besides which, what are we going to tell my dad when we go back now? Dwarves got away, and the orcs got away too. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> we set out to recapture them. I don't know how we ended up helping them escape, but before we knew it, you know, we yeah, were aiding right. and abetting. And I can't even remember when it started happening. I just really <laughs> the and whole thing. Like, and then on his next, on his Randall next says, mission, on his next, my elf. Yeah, on his next mission, Legolas is going to be like. If when I return, think better of the father. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that depends on your man, the man who makes you return. <laughs> Don't come back with any more stories oh, about. Right. Yeah. By the way, we we, we let everyone get away. <laughs> yeah. I know, uh, Sharon. We are getting punchy. Uh, this happens. This happens. It does. Okay. I've actually had to mute myself a couple of times. I've been laughing so hard I was crying. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're approaching the three-hour mark here, but no, I think this has all been very good. But no, I'm, I'm, I, I, I will say. <clears throat> compared to the trailers from uh, from the from the first film this trailer did have more wait what the heck is going on moments for me like i had more moments of pure confusion in look in watching this trailer than i did in watching any of the other trailers um that's true <clears throat> like the like the the bjorn not just because of the crazy editing Right, exactly. Shot of Dol Guldur. There's a shot of the forest. There's a shot of the river. There's a shot of Lake Town. Back to Dol Guldur. No, the forest again. Nope, nope. Back to Lake Town. Right, right. No, it wasn't just that. Even even taking them all apart and taking them separately, there are many of them that still require much analysis for me to become even modestly unconfused. Um, and about some of them, such as what uh, exactly what implement is used to hurl a barrel containing bomber, I still. <laughs> don't understand i mean i think you could build a very large trebuchet that could accomplish this trebuchet, but it's yeah. a little hard for me yeah, to she... imagine either that the elves happen to have a trebuchet mounted at this particular place it's in the another river monty python moment <laughs> right exactly perhaps if we were... built a large wooden badger um, there was one being stored in the in the down in the, the in the warehouse with the barrels. The dwarves took it. That was actually what Bilbo rode um, down the river. Was on the, the dwarves are all in. Were, yes, the dwarves are all in barrels. Bilbo was riding a trebuchet. Riding a trebuchet, which they then <laughs> assembled swiftly, so just, as he he, he, yeah. he threw it in at the last moment, just in case they needed. Right. Yeah. You know, it's by it was by the entrance and by the exit there into the river. Oh, I'm going to throw this in. By, by the way, one thing about the one thing about the barrels that we didn't cover, it seems fairly obvious that that their their escape is not going to be one of Bilbo tricking the elves into just yes. releasing them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and actually, it reminds me of something I was going to say earlier on. Um, unless unless the elves are really really drunk. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Whoa, man, what is in this wine? I think I see people in those. <laughs> right, take exactly. Them in the exactly. Should the wine barrels have very, very strange, like heads with very strange hairdos sticking out of them? I, I really, 
I don't think that's normal. But um, but no, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, as as wacky as this barrel ride looks, um, and as much as, you know, people are going to be complaining that that's not in the book, the thing that, that I think you just, if you have any interest at all in being fair to a film adaptation, you have to recognize the fact that there are lots of things that happen in the books, which if they were faithfully represented on the films, would be really boring. And the barrel ride is one of them. The barrel ride will be boring. The barrel, no. The if the barrel ride were depicted exactly as it is in the books, it would be really dull. No, I think that'll be that'll make great great film. What like a bunch of barrels, some slightly lower in the water than the others, bobbing along until they're bound into a raft. And then a dude yeah. sitting, trying not to sneeze for several hours while he's being pulled gently down the river on a raft and overhearing their conversation about local politics and the and yeah. the relations, the trade relations oh, between the elves and the men. Rising to his bait. <laughs> I also want to hear the, the pole elves singing. Now, that would, of yeah. course, be a way to liven up that scene. But... Uh, <laughs> I... I I don't. I don't mind that they have changed the the barrel riding scene. So, yeah, because that so would be a very long, slow. Only, point. Yeah, my it would be very slow. My only complaint. Yeah. This is the same complaint we've made since the beginning your of this. Your only this complaint, story. Dave. Yeah. Your <laughs> only about, the, about the changes I just to the barrel. Just want to clarify I, I, that. No, about the barrel scene. I don't. Okay. Have, I don't have a huge problem with the barrel. Oh, okay. I don't, even, I don't okay. even mind flying barrels. I think that's whatever. <laughs> Um, my, my main complaint about this, this is the same complaint that we've made, we've had since the very beginning of this podcast, which is, I agree, you couldn't do the barrel scene the way it was. The, the alternative would be to depict it in the, in the way it's in the book and then just don't show them floating down the river. Just show them leaving, yeah. a couple shots, right. show them arriving. That takes 30 seconds. Right. This scene right. looks like this is going to be a good 10, 15, 20 minutes of this. <laughs> Easily. 10, 15, 20 minutes. That could have been dedicated to, I don't know, Battle of Yeah. How are they yeah. going to fit all this but crap just think, in? Just think what a cool ride they're going to make out of it. I, I so. agree, but, well, but, it, it's but like, there's it's always like a the, trade-off. It's like the Rock'em Sock'em Robots. The, the kids are going to yeah. love it. My son <laughs> is going to love it. No, that's probably true. But you got you just wonder, what are I we going to That is the best. That's his favorite part in the, in really? the first movie. Is, really? The Stone Giants? Oh, really? yeah. The Stone Giants. Man, it, he must that be. He must be. Uh, he must be really bummed that Guillermo del Toro didn't make the whole movie. Well, and you know, in Star Wars, his favorite character is Jar Jar Binks. So uh, yeah, you know. see, see, we can't trust oh, the kids. So there's, so there's, <laughs> there's his taste right there. Well, no, you know, it's I actually, know it's actually it, kind though. of refreshing to know that there actually the does exist a target audience uh, that are pleased by these things. You know, so yeah. that's. <laughs> That's right. It's, that it's a not nod just, to the kids. It's not the just the eight-year-old complete, boys out there. Yeah, that's true. It is nice to know that there there is some rationale. Well, for right, yeah, it's not utter insanity. The whole barrel thing, I never understood how Bilbo could actually balance on the top of a barrel. I mean, he would immediately just go under. With difficulty, so, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. With difficulty. I mean, it's, it's round. It's going to spin around. And well, it's going to go under. So. The one that he's on is so occupied. A little... There's a dwarf weighting it down in the bottom. So that keeps it from rolling all the way well, over. I didn't think it was. I thought it just shipped. He says it just took on a little water. Yeah. The water is, is going to move. 
And yeah, so you should do a little physics of barrel writing thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Hey, that would be an awesome myth mood event. It's unrealistic, but, but you know, it's better. It's better than the wargs in the two towers. Yeah, well, uh, an Aragorn attacks. floating down That's the right. river. Yikes. Aragorn. That's yes, right. it's right. better than I, that. I so. personally, I cannot wait for the behind-the-scenes material for this for this movie with the barrel stuff. One of my favorite one of my favorite things from the from the Fellowship of the Ring extra stuff is is the, them talking about filming the scene where they're um, they're floating down the river in the in the boats from Lothlorien, and everyone complaining about how Sean Bean was using his paddle to 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 push the other boats off course. And they would, they would get yelled at by the director, like, where are you guys? Stop that. Where are you going? And they're like, it's, it's Sean. It's not us. It's Sean Bean. He's doing it. I cannot wait to hear what kind of crazy hijinks they got up that to. That does not look like it was fun to film at all. No. Maybe the barrels. Also, and, you know, speaking a bit of the barrels, there was also a clip out of what Brianna put together that there's fish, which maybe when they get into Lake Town, I mean, that might be how they – you know, maybe Bart smuggles them in and he puts fish on top of the barrels. But I do remember that there was a scene where there were fish either, I think, on the barrel or in the barrel or something like that. So that's another mystery. All right. D- David Urbach has also asked a really pressing question. Will there be a butler? Yes. <laughs> um, well, again, you know, like it's, 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 it's one of those things. It's like a piece of low-hanging fruit for for peter jackson like always like again if he wants to just throw us a bow and all he has to do is have some minor character be named galleon right i mean we got lindier you'll remember uh in rivendell um so like if we get somebody named galleon who's the only elf given a proper name in the hobbit um, and people forget about this, but of course, Thranduil is never called Thranduil. He's always just called the Elven King. Um, Galleon the Butler is literally the only elf that has a name in the in the book. So, um, I, I, uh, I Philip asks if the Butler is the pointing elf. I hope he gets a better <laughs> role than that. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's just like, "Hi, I am the superfluous tour guide," <laughs> and over here you have. The only path that you can possibly see in this in this vista. <laughs> Somehow I can't picture the elves with the butler. But. Yeah, well, you know, no, I mean, you know, somebody's got to do the buttling, but um, got to do it. That's yeah, true. I, 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 no, it's I, I, I can see this, you know, but it does look like they're going to avoid the the elven drunkenness dilemma uh, completely. I mean, and this, of course, is something we've been talking about, how they painted themselves in a corner by having Legolas totally impervious to the, uh, to the effects of alcohol um, in, uh, in the deleted scene <clears throat> from the Two Towers. Um, or, you know, I guess it was The Return of the King, wasn't it? At the beginning of it? Or was it The Two Towers? I forget which one it was. Yeah, it's somewhere. Right but anyway, um, they're in Rohan. Um, and... Uh, um, so anyway, so clearly they they seem to be avoiding that. If they're just escaping when they're not looking, they don't. Nobody has to be drunk, except perhaps the dwarves themselves, uh, for uh, for that escape to actually happen. Um, but okay, we should probably let people go. Good morning, Yana. Welcome. <laughs> it's time to start your day. It's now five a.m. Uh, over there in Europe. So. Um, uh, I hope that, that 
it's anyway over here on the east coast i think it's time for us to go to bed so um thanks to everybody for joining us for our really long uh but unusually fun and lively episode um uh discussing the trailer um and um uh uh this was a lot of fun we're gonna we're gonna still do our regular episode um next week as we scheduled this is uh, this episode is pure bonus um, just to talk about the trailer. Seventeenth, we're going to do. I think it's seventeenth. Yeah, Monday, Monday the seventeenth, we're planning we'll, to do. We'll put the dates up, but yeah, and that's going to be month. a review. So it, it also will not be a numbered edition. It'll be a review of year to date riddles and conundrum. Yeah, which is yeah, yeah. So so, but anyway, so we will be doing an episode next. Yes, Monday, Sharon. Not uh, not, not not Tuesday. We'll probably be shifting yes, away from Monday. Tuesdays actually. Um, <clears throat> during the school year, Tuesdays were a lot easier for me, but now in the summertime, uh, actually Mondays and Wednesdays work a good deal better for me than Tuesdays. But anyway, um, uh, <clears throat> um, uh, Philip, yes, I do hope to post this as a video podcast. We're going to, we're going to try to do that. We've made a video recording of it, um, so that we can see, cause it's going to be a lot less interesting to hear us talk about the the visual details for, for three hours if people can't see what we're talking about um but um uh but anyway yana we're probably going to be doing a morning one again didn't we say did, did we agree on a time did we say morning on monday the 10 a.m yeah it'll be uh 10, 10 a.m yeah yeah 10 a.m monday yeah i think yeah. so yep yeah not 10 p.m yana no worries uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back to a humane time that is humane to Europeans. Time inhumane to poor Dime out in Alaska, sadly. <clears throat> but um, uh, but you know we're kind of going to be keeping somebody awake at somewhere in the world, wherever we post it. So it's not riddles in the dark if someone's not suffering. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> because that would be a really depressing motto. But uh, anyway, yes, that <clears throat> seems to be how it, how it works out. Um, okay. Oh, and Wilfred is in Alaska too. See, look, we have two Alaskans with us. So that's, that's oh like, a, we have a genuine, we have a genuine Alaskan block, therefore, <clears throat> among our, our, our attenders. So there we are. Okay, well, thanks for joining us, everybody. I will sign off now. So uh, thanks uh, to you guys, my panelists, for our fun discussion here tonight. Um, uh, I enjoyed it. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, it was really fun. We'll have to do this again sometime. We'll do this again when the next trailer comes out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. We should, we, we, we should, uh, we'll, we'll definitely be thinking about that. As the, and, of course, the subsequent trailers never come out with quite so much fanfare as the first one does, but... Uh, uh, yeah, that's true. But I think this is definitely something we could do again. So anyway, uh, thanks a lot, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening, and Godspeed.